welcome to Exit Through the 2010s, a podcast reflecting and dissecting the movies of the past 10 years. Uh, I'm Jack Draper. With me, uh, who just came from sucking on someone else's blood, is Claire Williams. Dude, oh I would love to know what I only do that some... on the weekends. I only do that on the weekends. <laughs> hey, happy Saturday. Um, I would love to know what are some great things you've seen recently? Uh... What is, are, how are some great things I've seen? Do we got a fire up letterbox or are we, uh, we do? Unfortunately, I know it's it's. A, a, <laughs> oh, I mean, I re I rewatched uh, the very first Halloween. Yes. Uh, Carpenter the goat. Um, <laughs> that was quite good. It's, I, it's, I, good it's so funny to me that I watch it and I'm like, I still love it, but I'm like, this isn't even his best movie, and that's crazy. That's a crazy yeah. sentence. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's it's like, like there's some filmmakers that have that. Like objectively, it's like top 50 greatest movies ever or like most influential but it's like you still have better shit in your catalog it's, yeah like yeah, it's i like crazy. four movies more than that one and i love mm-hmm. that one and that's crazy <clears throat> he's just he's so fucking good um yeah we, you and i are making that... our way through through uh that cat through his filmography like uh yeah. do you still have the thing at number one yeah uh, obviously and i don't know if i'm gonna that. rewatch that because i've seen it so much but yeah. maybe um but yeah, besides that, uh, not really. I, I watched the fourth Nightmare on Elm Street and was kind of surprised by it. I didn't love it, uh, but like it's actually quite visually, like, uh, how do I say? It? Like it's pretty good. Like I don't know. It's like it's visually pretty interesting. It has some cruel, interesting set pieces. Who made it? Uh, the practical effects are fucking dope. Uh, Rennie Harlan. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I thought so. I thought that was Dream Warriors though, so I didn't want to take a stab. No, at it. it's Dream Master. Dream Master. He a master of dreams. That's another, you know, war, yeah. They're they're dream warriors. They're dream masters. It's a whole thing. Um, but like, no, the practical effects though were fucking like dope. Like, there's a point where you see Freddy's like has like souls trapped and it's all these faces in, embedded in his skin, and it, like they do some crazy shit with that, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. There's a fun uh, the fun set piece in a church. It's all you know. It's all just like really interesting stuff. Uh, I I do love the story though. Renny Harlan was like begged them to let him make it. He just kept calling people like, "Let me make it. Let me make Nightmare on Elm Street four. Let me make it. I want to make it." Uh, and I just um, I, I find that concept funny. You know, this is a really good chance to bump the interview that Dan Mecca and Connor O'Donnell did with Renny Harlan recently on their podcast, The B Side. Um, it it was excellent. I just just thought you know they're friends of ours and um, yeah. As for myself, I. I, uh, I'm trying to get into Peter Weir, you know, because, like, uh, I've absolutely adored everything that he's that he's done so far. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm looking through this catalog and everyone's rated it so highly. Um, I, I caught the last wave. And that was excellent. So, I'm like, you know, for me, he's four now. Um, Kayla, but, um, you can talk, by the way. We don't <laughs> Sorry, have I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. Yeah. in the background. But uh, Peter no Weir worries. is one of my favorites. And I absolutely yes. love the last wave. It was just absolutely knocked me for sideways yes. the first time I saw it. I think... Picnic at Hanging Rock is still my favorite of his because it's a film that just digs under my skin every time I watch it. What's your but, fave? Uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock. Oh, it's so I, I think I might agree with you. It, excellent, yeah, yeah. Just I in saw terms it last of like and, um, shoving the Australian U wave to the mm-hmm. front, I think that film is phenomenal. But I, how yes, did you watch yes. the last wave? Is it, it more readily available where you cr- are? It's on Criterion Channel. Oh yeah, the thing that we don't get in this country, yeah. which sucks. But if you for the <laughs> yeah. Americans listening. Oh. Watch you don't get Criterion Channel? Nope. 
and it is a thorn in my side. Yeah. Uh, if you're in the UK, the best equivalent is probably the BFI player, which you can get added on to Amazon Prime. But there's so much stuff. Oh, we, cool. we don't get like anything that's fun, really. Is the BFI player just like art house and thorn? Language. Yeah, it kind of operates in the same way. The BFI release a lot of DVDs that kind of cross over with the Criterion collection. Oh, so, like, Paul Schrader's The Comfort of Strangers is Criterion in America. Yes. It's BFI here. Also something I just recently saw. Wow, that's a fun. film. It's, it's in my top wow. 100. I recently made it 110 on Letterboxd. Yeah. But oh, um, cool. yeah. I, I do love Schrader. He is my favourite problematic yes. uncle of the, <laughs> the hotshot actors of Hollywood. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Him and his yeah. Big unproblematic unproblem- uh, uncle faith. energy. Um, <laughs> like, he is, like, yeah, the I, definition of a problematic uncle. He's just like, Paul... <laughs> God, yeah, right. Like, like you like you like that uncle in doses, you know. Like, if, you know, you just don't want to bring up politics, but he's fun, you know. Like, his, his Facebook page you is don't so want to have him at dinner. Yeah, right. It's just yeah. like here um, he is talking about how much he loves Taylor Swift, and he's taking his lovely wife, character actress Mary Beth Hart, to the right. museum, and then it's just like just, I got kicked out of another poker game because of cancel exactly. culture. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just don't look up the Wikipedia for the canyons. Whatever you do, you know, just. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I was still gonna Peter see the Rear, card like, counter, like you know, I'm with you, Paul. Uh, oh, I know. Sure. I, yes, I'm, I'm, like I'm there day one. You know, we're like, gonna watch it. I can't. I Anyone can't wait for reviews from Venice. You know, yeah. anyone who says they're not gonna watch it is a fucking liar, and you know you are. It's I mean, it's Oscar Isaac in a poker movie. Don't fuck around. Stop it. The marketing, the marketing it. for for it from Focus has been kind of shitty, but you know, other than that, you know, it's Schrader, it's Oscar Isaac, it's uh, Willem Dafoe's back and. In his graces, but I mean, Focus must um, care about I, him on some level. They're keeping him off Facebook yeah. long enough to get it to Venice. I, yeah, <laughs> and he stays it was, off. It was as a little well. bit. It's a little bit like when A twenty four was like during the twenty nineteen <laughs> Oscar season. You, you please make us this promise. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. And yeah. I, that didn't work out though. Yeah, and no, like they still really. fucked him over. I mean, um, I can't believe that was his first Oscar nomination, yeah. which is just yeah, that's pretty, crazy, pretty ridiculous. You yeah. even like even at the very like minimum, you could be like, well, he got nominated for ta- Taxi Driver, right? Taxi like, Driver. Like, he yeah. got yeah. he got he got a screenplay nom, and he didn't, and that's like, what? I think probably a can is, is probably, but um, but yeah, no, I, I'm looking at Peter Weir again. It's like you know, Fearless and Witness are my priorities right now. Um, you know, there's a there's a pretty big Master and Commander Hive that I'm eager to be a part of someday um yeah, yeah right. like I, 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 I'm, I'm, I have my application in for the membership <laughs> <laughs> right uh, you know I'm, I'm pen it's pending right now yeah um, i need to get a few references but anyone can help out would be really great you just you know like you want to call peter we are an ethereal filmmaker but it's like that using that word is so vague you do it's, you it's, do want to call him that okay. and that is something you do want to call him um but yeah, I feel like he just has like such a grasp on na- on nature and you know, but, and how it affects Imperial. people. Vice versa. He kind of reminds word. me Imperial. of another one of my favorite, really underrated directors, Philip Kaufman, and I think people yeah. almost don't yeah. credit him for being as good as he is because he's so versatile and he has such a great grasp on like really dense literary themes and ideas and often actual uh, texts, and then kind of makes them seem so easily accessible. In a way that I think unbearable people, like, lightness of being is another one on my watch list. Which I love. I'm actually yeah, writing about yeah. that right now for a piece. Um, oh wow! Okay, yeah. is one of my maybe it'll give me motivation. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. I like. I managed to make my friends watch it this year actually, and like they all like hated me until they watched it because it is three hours long. But I, I think it's phenomenal. Wow. It's like um, top five yeah. Daniel Day Lewis if nothing else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Young Dan, Young Daniel Day Lewis, and uh, young there's Julia too many talented Kaufmans. 
Too many talented <laughs> Kaufmans. Charlie Kaufman, Philip Kaufman. Too many. Stop it. Who else? Uh, wh- who's the... I'm, I'm gonna... Andy Kaufman? And the comedian. Yeah, Andy, Andy Kaufman. I was just, I was just gonna throw out oh. Andy Kaufman. Damn it. Um, oh, man. Another, another uh, director that I'm trying to make my way through since um, everything I've seen has just been hits. Rennie Harlan. Said. <laughs> Close. David Lean. <laughs> But ah, uh, well, yeah. Blight Spirit was a delight. That's on Criterion Channel. It's it's this, you know, little comedy about a uh, a man trying to like reconcile with his wife's death and tr- having a medium like recapture her spirit. But then like she actually comes back and it's just about their their banter as as like living and dead. It's it's really fun. Um and it's about like the current wife trying to deal with the ex-wife being a ghost now. It's yeah, um, it's completely. I mean, different that happens from all the time. It's, <laughs> you know, it's domestic, know. mundane, you know, shit. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. come on. Yeah, it's they like, it's like this, that TLC shit. Last year, and it's awful. Oh really? <laughs> oh, I, yeah, yes, it's got Judy Dench and Dan yeah. Stevens and Diana Fisher in it, and it's just. I like those mm. people. It, it, it seems yeah. like it was made for BBC Two on a Sunday night, like six thirty, when you're kind of half asleep after your mm. Sunday dinner. It's not good, but like the the, the lean version's great. I also. I did my master's thesis on Lawrence of Arabia, that little scene indie film uh, that, that no one ever talks yeah, about. Right. So, <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. No idea. <laughs> so, not to ramble, I did my. Um, there's actually an unproduced screenplay for a Lawrence of Arabia movie that Terence Rattigan and Anthony Asquith were going to make in the 50s. And it basically never happened because Sam Spiegel, who produced the David Lean version, was like, I will sue you fuckers if you try to make this. So. That's so funny. So it would have had Dirk Bogard in it, which, if nothing else, I think would have been amazing. And it's a fascinating yeah. script. So, mm-hmm. like, Lawrence of Arabia is great. Hot take. Yeah. Okay, Bogart be careful who you say that around. I think you should, you know, keep, keep this down to a minimum. Um, yeah, yeah. But something I always hear about Lean is, like, the trajectory he goes on after Lawrence of Arabia is, like, getting just grander and grander with, with every movie. But just, like... The scope getting bigger minimizes the uh, the character depth, and I'm curious, like, like Doctor Zhivago is something that people always point to with, with that one. Um, I don't. Um, is that, but I'm, is I've always been curious about Shavago? if that's. The, I've always been curious if that's the. If I don't that's think it's anywhere near as good as Lawrence for obvious reasons, but I think that that film was mm. so defined by aesthetic more than anything else. It has wonderful sweeping mm-hmm. moments. I mean, it's Omar Sharif who has the charisma of a hundred normal men put together. I think if you want to see that kind of grandeur taken to a slightly more odd level like a uh, passage to india is like surprisingly bonkers in yeah. places yeah. i mean judy davis in that film alone like she knows how really dark and kind of like salacious and sleazy that book actually is and she kind of goes for it um so but I, I, yeah i mean for someone who's kind of seen as being like very respectable very stiff upper lip kind of director like it really isn't like even Lawrence of Arabia, which for one thing is an incredibly queer movie, you know, mm. uh, but it's in, it really does have absolutely no time for telling a conventional story or a conventional biopic, and also has no time for like begging up the image of like the great British colonial force. It, it, it laughs like it doesn't even laugh in the face; it just sort of quietly rolls its eyes in the face of all of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Man, I need to. A- that's a movie where you're like, I need to rewatch that, and then you're like, you're like, oh, that's right, it's like four hours long. I don't know when am I gonna rewatch that. It's also one like I, I mean, I'm really hoping I get to see that on a big screen at some point because when I was writing my master's oh, thesis, yeah. the only way I had Ooh. to watch it for research purposes was my laptop, and let me tell you, that's 
David Lean will reach for the grave and slap you in the face, Carrie style, if you do that way. So it's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's his damn chance. I, I saw it on my iPod. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. The way Danny Villeneuve wants his own. You got a little better face. than me. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> know, right. Yeah. He sent me a link yeah. to watch it on my iPod Nano. Funny enough. <laughs> Uh, okay, great. Well, I, I only have an iPod Shuffle, so I mean, you, you're uh, more fortunate. It doesn't even have a screen. Like you have to like make a screen. Great non-linear um, narrative. So th- <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh man, iPods. Remember that? Remember that was just like the thing. I, I, mm. I, I, we all had one. That's the thing. And now we're just like fucking what? Phone. What are you talking about? <laughs> the kids don't know not, know these days. N- they don't know. They don't know. <laughs> Um, what they don't know is also vampires, you know, yes, in I'm very Iran excited for this one. Eating yes. people. They don't know that. Oh my goodness. I didn't know that. I watched it. And a kick ass like, right, soundtrack. <laughs> um, incredible soundtrack. Before we walk home alone at night, Kaylee, we'd ah, love to know I see you how you got into movies and movies that made you fall in love with movies. The movies. So, if you um, will. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, I was very much of the school of um, my, uh, being babysat by films, um, especially by my grandmother, who had all of the Disney films on video. And this was, I, I'm a 90s kid, so it was kind of the era of prime Disney. And then. Only 90s kids will understand, obviously. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, and, we are 90s kids yeah. as well, being born in late 99. Yeah, it's like <laughs> we're officially. <laughs> uh, and then when I got older, I got um, to about. I want to say about 12 or 13 and I started reading Empire Magazine and I started getting a little bit of money from having a job and all these things and I thought right I'm going to actually go and see like cinema so that was how I started oh. I basically decided if a film got 4 or 5 stars in Empire I would either buy it on DVD or go and see it in a cinema so that was how I saw um, Zhang Yimou's Hero for the first time, it was how I saw Brokeback Mountain it was how I saw Mulholland Drive it was how I saw Dogville and Requiem for a Dream some yeah. dark choices so only there. bangers is really, um, yeah, yeah. And then it just sort of like, I, I kind of viewed films in the same way I viewed books. It was a, I didn't have many friends and I wasn't a very cool kid, but like there was always something very comforting about the things that really great storytelling can do for you. And it's a love that has endured pretty much my entire life. I've never passed it or gone out of it or anything like that. I think it's, yeah. it, it's kind of limitless as well. Like there will always be new stories to explore. There will always be ones that you missed the first time round, you know, and it's so exciting when you meet someone who hasn't seen a thing you love because then you get to introduce it to them. And I, I love that part of it. Um, so when I I got into my mid-20s, late 20s actually, I went back to university to do my master's degree in film studies. And then around that time, um, I kind of fell into writing about film and pop culture professionally. So it all lined up very nicely. And now um, I get paid to talk about it. It's great. That's the dream. There's also you said film was limitless. There is also a film called Limitless with Bradley. Yeah, Cooper. Yes, of course. Yeah, that's I. I was gonna make that reference too, but I thought that was too easy. Like I don't think I've seen no. that. Was your mind ex- an, was your mind guy. expanded upon? You know, I, like, I have no morals. Yeah. I'll do it. You know, if it's, it gets a, it gets a laugh, it gets a laugh. I don't know. I'll cut corners. I don't yeah, care. you're cheap. <laughs> yeah, I'm inexpensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, right. you, I, you don't. You have morals. You have lines that you cross. I cross lines all the time. I make limitless jokes. That's what I do. Do you have a certain memory about being proud to introduce a certain filmography or, or a film to somebody else that you're like, wow, I can't believe they loved it that much? I'll give a recent example, which is um, I still watch films regularly with the people I went to university with. 
and we usually have a theme where and um that we kind of pick films around and earlier this year our theme was cities and then i thought this would be a great chance to force upon my friends the unbearable lightness of being which i think they only kind of know is like the ultimate literary snob book because it seems like such a cliche of a title that it can't possibly be a real book I love that film. Philip Kaufman is one of my favourite directors. He actually made my favourite film of all time, Quills. And I thought this will be a great chance Mm. to introduce my friends to something that, frankly, is not easy to get hold of. The DVD I have is one where you have to switch over discs halfway through because it's three hours long and they couldn't couldn't put it all on a disc back then. That was the last time this thing was in print. And I was sort of tentatively waiting to see what they'd find, what they'd think about it. And it was all over Zoom because we couldn't, like, hang out with people yet. And just like the wonderful moment of like relief and joy that they had when they actually all enjoyed it was wonderful. I did it again a few months later, introducing In the Cut to people, the Jane Campion oh, film, which ooh. was a little more of a mixed yeah. result, but I loved the the sheer furor of opinions that it inspired. Because that's what I kind of yeah. love. I love that just like hearing other people's kind of perspectives from it and having that kind of good banter about it, which but now that I can leave the house and do it, it's fun. But yeah. you know, Zoom was fine too. Yeah. This is you're more than welcome here because this is a very pro in the cut pod. Um, <laughs> we are big Jin Campion fans. Um, it's, if you have, if we're Mark all looking Ruffalo forward to mustache. learn the power of the dog this fall. You know, it's like yes. And, and but if with Mark Ruffalo and that mustache, I don't really know how you dislike the movie. It's just that mustache. I mean, it it gives you so many things. So many things. Like what? His mustache. That's what it gives you, <laughs> and it's great. There's no wrong answers to that. I just want to see what you come up with. No, I know, but it's a mustache. It's awesome. It's just like all over his face, and, you know, he's Mark Ruffalo. It's all good I would things. love to have one someday. I love that year of Mark a Ruffalo mustache? where he isn't a nice guy. He is just fully, like, the worst person in the world, but is still incredibly attractive. Because I love that film. It's Very like, attractive. this man is dangerous, and you should get away from him. But, you know, live a little. Like, you know, he, he, Campion caught him at this time where it's like he had... Uh, um, uh, like collateral and um, oh my god, what's the one again? Another, he has an um, amazing goatee, like great facial hair um, era for him because he had an amazing goatee and collateral as well. Just like yeah, he was just scumbag. starting and um, and it's like he was a bit angry and and you know a bit young and like restless and he didn't he was like trying to find his footing on screen still and um, that's it, I, that just like embodies so well in that in that cop character. Thing. When's the last time he played a douchebag? I mean, he kind it's of plays half of one in. Um, oh god, what was that? HB. I know oh wait, the one again is you can you can count on me. Whoops. Yeah. Um. I, I, I just, and the kids yeah. are all he's right. Really he's now. pretty douchey as well. But I know this much is true. Yeah. He plays twin identical twins, and it's the most like oh 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 Emmy oh, yeah, yeah. thing anyone has ever made. Like, yeah. go read the Wikipedia synopsis for the book it's based on, and it is like the misery bingo card full house. I mean, it's, wow. you know, it's, if you like Derek Santa France, it's like around that. It is very similar. much his, like, you know, that really particular yeah. kind of like, why aren't you fuckers crying yet? God damn it <laughs> thing that he's so good at. It is that turned up to the nth degree. Like pulling out your yeah. nose hair. Especially with eight hours to do it in. Oh, hell yes. Um, Ruffalo's great in it, but it's, it's a rough sit for sure. Um, I, I, yeah, I definitely was exposed to Santa France. At, at a time where I just I was really affected by it and I didn't really know like the the tools he was using where it's like okay I, I couldn't see through the seams yet couldn't see in France can, can... sorry I'm so sorry wow. I've told you I cut we corners need... yeah 
Um, I cut corners. That's I'm, that's I'm, strike I'm, two. I'm reckless. But, okay, okay, strike two. All right, that's fine. Yeah. All right, I'll be, I'll, I'll be on my best behavior for the rest. <laughs> yeah, this is like a swear jar, like bad joke jar. You have to like a bad throw joke jar. We cents. need one. Yeah, yeah. It's not like you're innocent of that either, my friend. No, no, absolutely not. I'll contribute to this bad joke jar too. Um, yeah, yeah, excellent. Do you want to walk home at night alone? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, Kaylee, can you remember the first time? that you saw the movie i can't remember the first time i remember hearing about it for the first time because it came out at sundance in 2014 and it was yeah. I, first of all i love vampire movies i ne- i was i was the teenage girl that never grew out loving vampires i own a lot of vampire movies a lot of vampire books um i think i counted i did my top 100 list in letterbox and i think it's literally 10 percent vampires and That's just awesome. hearing about a film that was like they called it the feminist iranian vampire western that was how it was described by everyone it's like well i have to see this when i get my hands on it because this was also um vampires and pop culture were in this weird kind of stage where the big mainstream stuff like post twilight it's becoming it's falling out of favor but then there's this really interesting boom in indie films at that time you've got um, yeah, like Jim Jarmusch has got um, Only Lovers, Only Left, Lovers Alive. Left Alive um, yeah. 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 I think what we do in the shadows is around the same time uh, yeah, Neil same Jordan year. has Byzantium there's a really good remake of Fright Night, Mary Harron makes a vampire movie Like they don't get as much coverage but I think you see the potential of the genre way more at that point than you do when it is kind of sparkly sexy teen vampires which not to dismiss them I think it's a really important and kind of very valid part of the genre but the reason i like vampire stories is because that metaphor is so flexible like vampires can kind of mean whatever you want them to mean it can be a story about sex or death or infection or xenophobia or religion or imperialism yeah i mean everything really and i find it to be much more interesting as a kind of paranormal metaphor on that front than like zombie fiction which i think since the walking dead increased its you know crumbling grasp on pop culture has remained kind of the top dog right. of pictures recently um but you know that's being polite about it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm not a zombie fa- fan like I, there are zombie stories i like i love um george romero's work because i think he knows how to use that metaphor as well i think a lot of mm-hmm. zombie stories tend to fall into that trap of just like men with torn off sleeves and ak-47s and like playing into the paranoia of like yeah i knew this gun that i don't need would come in handy one day i'm i'm, I'm being glib and generalizing a little bit but i tend to find that happens it, yeah, more in zombies and the metaphor like suffers more and more yeah with each yeah, and there are plenty yeah. of bad vampire stories like bbc just did a version of dracula mm. with Clay's bang who i love but that was terrible but one of the reasons oh, i no, really love the girl what looks, are you doing yeah it, he's good in it like i can't you know, dismiss him. It was okay. a good choice, but like, it's such a bad series. Stephen Moffat just did not care. Like, even by his standards, he did not care. Oh, is that a Moffat? It's Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss, and you know how he gets ah. bored of his own ideas? He gets bored of his own show in three episodes. Like, I was almost impressed by it. And still like manages Moffitt. to be staggeringly uh. sexist. So bad. <laughs> That's the appropriate Moffitt. noise, right? Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. Man. But the reason I, I really I, love Girl Walks. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go Clay ahead. looks go like ahead. a disappointed just father right now. But one of the reasons I really love really Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is just because it did feel like this really interesting blend of the unique and the familiar. Um, like, it does take a lot of these ideas you're familiar with in vampire fiction, but just for the lens of this, how it's being told, who it's being told by, this, the really like fascinating genre mishmash it engages in, 
I think you get something out of it that felt like such a breath of fresh air in the genre, and it still does. Yeah. Like, I, it, it's one of those films that I can watch and watch it's, and watch, and it's yeah. still so vibrant and so cool and so interesting and more melancholy the more I watch it. Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. Um, by the way, I forgot to introduce you. Kaylee Donaldson's here. Um, it's lovely <laughs> to have you. I, I, and it's kind of like, I, I kind of like that, like, you know, having you here for a bit and then, uh, giving you like a proper hello but anyway i saw this a few years ago on movie a great service uh that if they would like to sponsor the show i would not you know say no to that <laughs> or you know we would love to have them but no it's, but um i saw i saw this when i was doing like a a month of horror movies in october and i saw this was like a part of their their horror collection um it was either 2018 or 2019 i think it was 2019 and um, I'd always known about it because this was um, like As Above, So Below, another red mm. and black poster. I'd always known of the poster and it was very intriguing. Um, and that was great. Poster. And I great. Poster. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, my gosh. Um, but yeah, it was in, you know, I I'd, I'd always heard his pitch from Amapur um, that it was uh, this blend of genres and uh, tones Um and yeah, I just I just adored it when I first saw it on movie. Um, it felt like this. It, it was I was like hypnotic and uh, cool, and set in like you know sexy and a little deranged like uh, a little. And I wreck it. And it was at that point in in my like uh, viewing diet that I just like recognized so many of the references and I felt like a part of it um, as much as I felt like a part of a viewer that Amapur was a part of the, the creator, and that was just really cool. I didn't know she was born in England. Okay, now I'm yeah, just looking yeah. up a whole bunch of things She was about born it. in England, but then moved to America. She moved to Miami. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. And, and I guess it was, so her parents are Iranian. Yeah. Is that the thing? And, and, okay. and it's like that sort of adds to the amount of, like, cultures and, you know, pop culture influences here. And yeah, because there's a lot of American music of, and... English music in this uh, movie, so oh, that's very interesting. Um, well, this was no no interesting story here. I watched it last night. Uh, I always knew of the movie. I always assumed that it was like one of those genre movies that was like produced by Neon or A twenty four or something like that. Some like notable or uh, Braun or whatever. Just like oh, that was like this like John jo- like this kind of semi hit genre movie that made its influence into our circles of, like, film lovers and was, like, not, like... the Played cool at festivals, kind of was received, you know, yeah. released a few yeah, months yeah. later. But that's not necessarily true. Like, I just looked at, like, the studio... Like, the main, the studio I recognize from the it's studios... It's Like, yeah. like that, like, Vice Studios or whatever. Like, I didn't even know mm-hmm. Vice made fucking movies. Like, I'm like, I didn't know that, like, this was, like, a thing. Um, but, yeah, no, and so, like, I, I, I just knew... And Elijah like, Wood a, produced it, yeah. Is that okay? I saw that, and for a minute, my dyslexia was playing tricks on me because I'm like, "That's not how you spell Elijah," and then of course, it is how you spell Elijah. Um, But yeah, so I just I I saw it for the first time. Didn't really know what to expect. Didn't haven't really read much into it. Knew it was horror. Kind of forgot it was vampire related. Um, Watched it. Quite, quite, quite enjoyed it. I was quite enamored with it, if you will. I always thought you'd like this Um, one. It yeah, it's good. It's very okay. good. 
Um, I was I, I didn't know it was black and white though. That was the thing. I'm like, oh, it's black and white. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. It's just black and white. All right. I, I just I don't know what I I really didn't have many expectations for this to be honest. Um, That's I good. just kind of went into it blind, and I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, wasn't expecting the music musical influences like kind of like the way it plays with periods and sense of like because it because the main character is very much like a 50s greaser at least that's what he's stylish yeah very much like the iranian james dean is like how yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. and the car and like his overall like attitude towards things it's very much like he's trying to recapture a certain pop culture image of someone from like west side story or james dean or something (laughs) like that even though he's not really built for it not really he's not like he doesn't have that confidence that he's trying to portray um, so yeah, I mean, all the, all that stuff was really, really dope. And I, and I, and I rec- and also recognizing like a few actors in here was qu- quite fun too. Um, I, the pl- person who plays, oh, let me get her name right. Um, Sheila Vant. Uh, the prostitute, uh, Mozan, uh, the actress yeah. Mozan Marno. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is going to sound really stupid, but I know her from the blacklist, the fucking James Spader show. She's quite Don't good know. in it too. She's quite good in it too. Uh, I haven't caught up with that show. It's pretty good, but like I recognizing her, recognizing the father, um, who's been in a million things. Uh, yeah, like. the father's really good. And apparently, he was in the short. I didn't know this was based off a short. Yeah. Yeah, it was a short, a and like, then uh, she short. took it to Kickstarter to get the money to make it into a feature. This thing was made like oh, wow. very tight budget. Wow, it does. Yeah, it's look, sort of it's like um, phen- we've seen this a few times. Incredibly with, looking movie. It's a, we've seen this a few times with movies we covered, like Whiplash and Short Turn Twelve. That it's, it's yeah, like nice yeah, like based off of short, same exposure, title. Right. But mm-hmm. I like this. But it only had Marshall Mani- uh, Manish as the same actor, right? They didn't take the other yeah. person from the short. As far I haven't seen um, the short, unfortunately. I don't know if it's available anywhere. Um. If anyone knows, let me know, because I would really love to check the differences. Um, but they raised about, I think it was 55000 she asked for in Kickstarter. So I don't know if that was the whole budget, or if at least a part of it, but it doesn't, I mean, you got to say, like, it looks incredible. I mean, it looks so crisp in that black and white. Um, this wonderful, desolate setting that's called Bad City, yeah. which is Iran, yeah. but it, it's filmed in California, I believe. But you have this wonderful mix of, like... Yes. The, the kind of weird liminal state that provides like it, it is a weird abandoned town out of a western that could be any time between about 1890 and 2014 uh, when this comes yes. out like um arash who is dressed like james dean and has that car uh the, the blend of music um in the girl's bedroom she has a big madonna and bg's poster on her wall mm-hmm. so um I, I love that kind of Are, that, confusion of time and space that, that it provides Yes, yes. It, it's very much, I mean, you know, this is sort of, we're already throwing around so many references, but it's a little bit like how David Lynch plays with time. Because it's like with uh, like Blue Velvet, I've that's never, um, for example, it's never certain, it's never definitive on, on like a year it takes place. Like it could be the 50s or the 80s, like the 60s. So it's like, it's sort of, and she, like that's another person she names as, it's like one of her heroes where it's like, being like never really relying on a certain year gives you so much freedom to um just to, like play around with so many references um yeah there are a couple moments in this film that look straight out of a razor head especially yeah. in terms of that like yeah, on, yes desolate the background. Design, they yeah, go to yeah. meet um there's a scene where arash and the girl go to meet at i think it's an oil refinery 
and it, it's straight yeah. out of like the industrial hellscape. It, those of, industrial. Of, 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 I was yeah. say Hellraiser. Yes. It's a very different film. Razorhead. <laughs> yes. And, and with you mentioning, I had no idea it was made for so little, which is honestly an insane achievement because it looks so freaking good. Um, but like, but those kind of choices in set were probably like, well, what's cheap? Like, I mean, I, she probably did have like a very much like, well, we want it to take place in this kind of setting, but also it's just like, well, we only have like so many options. So I guess an oil refinery in the middle of nowhere will do. Like we just, we can't, we just don't have the money. And it, it makes it all, but I just, I, when I was watching, I'm like, yeah, no, this is like a dope location. This is what they would shoot on. This is the best, like, this is definitely like the best part or like the, the best option that they had. Uh, and they just decided, yeah, let's do this. And it probably was the best option, but it probably wasn't out of like an abundance of options. They probably were like, it certainly ah, feels like a happy here. accident that something that yeah. they were left with then uh, granted them more world building than if they it didn't all seems it. so intentional it just fits. and it is but yeah. it's also that that you also have to make certain choices with that budget that won't basically get you the thing that you really want like this is the actual set that we definitely really want this is a, in the perfect world they just have to make a lot of like um uh just a lot of what's the i can't i can't think of words today um but yeah they just had to like kind of be like yeah i guess we'll do with it well, we'll we'll deal with this but this still looks really great and still feels really mm -hmm. intentional and still uh gives off the atmosphere they want to give yeah. off so it's you like, especially not only she um, have such, sorry such... uh you especially get that in terms of just how sparsely populated a lot of this world is like yeah. people walk around at night and it feels like they're the only person in this town walking around at night yeah. um which i think is really effective yeah. Um, and the use of shadows in that particular way. But even when they go to a party, you get the sense that this is everyone in the world is just in this one oh, room. It's a, a city of yeah. outsiders, but even there, there are still outcasts, which is really interesting. There's a yeah. character who the director names as Rockabilly, who is the um, queer um, person who's wearing the head um, wrap and they've got full, like, kind of very 1950s femme fatale makeup. They never speak, but they're kind of this really interesting outsider voyeur. To this world where everything is sort of falling apart which i found is so interesting in that sense it, it's, it's totally. as a western and, you know it's very effective in that front um i love i love that detail of, of the rockabilly character because amapur named named it so important because uh being queer in iran is so looked down upon and um the silence is so purposeful um since that shunning is you know yeah so in inevitable it, if you come out as as queer and um yeah i i love the fact that it, it's it's mostly at nighttime right like I, obviously that's the time that we see the girl um because sheila vand was giving this interview um that she talked to amapur one day and she's like this is the, uh, the nighttime is the only time that the girl like knows of bad city like, that there's she never has seen daylight there and she's like you know what yeah like she kind of considered that one day, and she's like, it, "It's two different places at day, at nighttime, day, daylight. It's, it's like fascinating. Like that's the only, you, that's the only exposure you have." And this town doesn't look any of, better yeah. in the daylight. I mean, the first scene you get is a rash kind of trying to be the cool man walking through town with his cat and there's a cat in this movie which is always great. And yeah, then they walk past course. this ravine, and it's just full of dead bodies. And he doesn't even look yeah, twice yeah. at it. This is just a very normal part. I, that, I, this is where you go to dump your corpse. Yeah. Wait, there was like I love multiple dead bodies there? Multiple, yeah. Multiple, yeah, it's like a I mountain of dead bodies. I miss so that. It's, and I love, I love the fact that there's no 
like authority figure. There's no law enforcement that goes to investigate anything, right? And it kind of, for me, it, like it brings to mind. It's a western. Uh, like it's a, it's a what? Yeah, yeah. There's no like uh, like like lawful force. Yeah, yeah she is no, the equivalent like of the the, na- the nameless sheriff who rules in a town, literally, because yeah, she rolls yeah. around in a skateboard for a lot of it, yeah. uh, which is yeah. just very cool. Um, but. You know, the, the, I guess the closest you have to kind of a, a figure of power, I would say there's two. One, you have like the rich side of town where Arash goes to work, where people are just in these big houses, their big mansions wrapped up in their own problems, don't care or notice about anything, including decorum or like the rules other people have to follow. And then you have the pimp Saeed, who is dressed like, I don't know if you guys saw Zola, but he's like cousin Greg and Zola. Like, yeah. how bl- yeah. how much can I look like a rapper I once saw in a music video? but somehow make right. it look even worse. Yeah. Derek. <laughs> um, Actually, he looks more like the guy he... at D'Antvert. I don't know if that's the specific reference mm. they were going for, but, you know, he is mm. this very powerful, very brutal man who seems to be, like, he, he seems to have a stranglehold on, on Bad City in terms of um, pimping, in terms of drugs, because Arash's dad is a heroin yeah. addict. Heroin addict. Um, yeah. A lot of which plays into really interesting ideas about vampirism. Like, vampirism as a an idea for addiction um doesn't get explored that often abel ferrara made a film called the addiction which is really wonderful and there are shades of this in in here i think i don't know if Mm -hmm. amipur has seen it but they would make a really interesting double bill if nothing else yeah absolutely and like lily taylor is is sort of like in conversation with uh sheila van's character i suppose um and and especially with vampire like you know kind of like zombies and these like mythical creatures like there's some there's like things that always come to mind when you think about them and and one of them is like their ability to just live forever um addiction is something that you like you try to grapple with and then you try to beat but with but like if you're just immortal then it's like well why why get rid of it you know like why because uh, there's an ex- existentialism that it comes with being a vampire um and just a year prior to this we already name dropped it but Jim Jarmusch made a whole movie about like existentialism uh, in the world of vampires. Yeah, and he puts up a far more romantic streak on it. The idea that like eternity is on we, but if you have someone to occasionally share it with, it's worth yeah. it. And here, I think you get the sense yeah. that actually yeah. loneliness is kind of the default mode because the girl kind of then latches onto Arash, mostly because he seems to be the only guy there who's not actively monstrous. Um, after she's terrorized a child, which I found a little too funny, um, but you know, it's she, really funny. Yeah, I love the idea of her like this is her like the you know policing the patriarchy like don't Are you, you turn into boy? one of these men, <laughs> and also I'm going to steal <laughs> yeah. your skateboard because yeah. I look much cooler. <laughs> oh, he it. left it. Yeah, she, yeah. she didn't like, steal it. He left it there, and she's like, "Well, this is my skateboard yeah. now. You left it. It's mine." I love that. Yeah, like that's the way to check up on good behavior is just intimidation. It's like you know, just it's not that far kill from. You. I will tear your eyes from your skull and feed it to dogs or you'll be a good boy and I'll be watching you for the rest of your life. Pretty cool stuff to say to a kid. You know, it almost made made me think on this this revisit, like, that that little boy boy. will probably... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, of course, any day. Um, Like, that little boy will go to his friends or his parents and be like trying to convince everybody for the rest of his life that he saw this, this entity... That he can never explain because it was so dark or something, you know. And, and like you kind of, um, like what did she look like? It'll oh, just she, stay she with him like, forever, like, right? She looked like a girl, and then she had, 
And then she talked right, in this right. demonic voice, and people are like, you're fu- no, no. We're not what if he? Lo- what if he's like? She looked like Sheila Vance. You, like, you ever see Argyle? He looks. Like- <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, she's as much I a do, part of the like the weird ambiguity, like the moral ambiguity of the story yeah. as anyone else. Like even Arash, like the way he gets his money is yeah. because he steals the pimps' drugs and sells them. You know, mm-hmm. he is not kind of exempt from the the murkiness of the city, which seems to be really the only only game in town, unless you are already rich. And we have no idea how the uh, you know the the one percent are getting their cash in this world. We barely, we barely see a person. Like the thing is, like we barely see a person with a line that's not like four people. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then when you do sort of see them in a group, they're all just like partying and getting stoned together because really that does seem to be kind of the only thing to do but do it in costume because they seem to have a lot of costume parties that's a line someone says like this person throws parties a lot and they're always in costume which i respect um i respect arash's handmade vampire cape i am dracula (laughs) i'm i love how he does it i see i am dracula just like he raises his eyebrows really (laughs) It's very funny. Yeah. Is it, he, yeah. Arash seems cool. I mean, he does sell yeah. drugs or whatever. Yeah. But what are you going to do? It's I think Bad it's, City. You only have a few options. Think, what are yeah, you going to do in like Bad this, City? This, sell sell cleaners or whatever? Like, you're, you're, you you sell drugs in Bad City. That's what you do. This entire movie has, like, this swagger about it, this confidence that mm. they just... She just bathes in this in this world that um, it's so, like, idiosyncratic. And we've already brought up Eraserhead, and I keep keep thinking that that's maybe the, the best... Um, comparison or the addiction but i think the eraser head is just like so it's it's just yeah it's just so in conversation just because the world is so big and you can imagine what every crevice and looks like but the characters are just like it's not and like this is such a tight cast you know but it's also um remarkably like undetailed which i think is also very lynchy in the ideas i'm just going to present this to you and Mm -hmm. i have no interest in like providing detailed backstory because the girl is very much like that kind of Clint Eastwood rolls into town character we don't need to know the backstory we don't even really need to know much about about her her life as a vampire because you know this, yeah, this no would be a story where you exactly, no this would be a movie where you start like and like here's the rules of vampirism here's why you know I can't go outside here's why I can't do this or that and really the film I think is smart enough to just assume you know the rules anyway because you've probably watched all the Twilight films by the time it comes out Um, and then what you get is just that wonderful kind of ambiguity that runs all the way through the film Um, it really is great in terms of mood for that because it's also very sparse in terms of dialogue there's not a lot of talking it's really I think there's more music than talking I haven't done a minute by minute 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 count of that but the score I think provides much more I would absolutely believe it yeah yeah I would assume so, because even like the most talkative characters don't say that many lines. Like, it, it, like it's, yeah. Um, I, I and it I doesn't even like, feel like a soundtrack that does the talking for them. You know, it doesn't. It it's not like um, these boots are made for walking, and then like you know they show them strolling down the road or something. It's like right, yeah. it's not David Ayer's um, Suicide it, Squad. No. It, 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 <laughs> yes, um, but it was almost it's it just adds to the mood just like how you know the black and white photography adds to the mood and um and the soundtrack is great i mean it is this wonderful mixture of like dance music with um tehran pop and iranian singing and then you have i think the kind of crowning moment the moment that i that i always think of when i think of this film is when they're in the girl's room after he is stoned out of his gourd while dressed as a vampire (laughs) and she puts on death by white lies which is very late 2000s british indie rock which is like my teenage jam that was a huge nostalgic trip 
she plays it the disco ball spins and they have i think what comes to the closest is like the sexy vampire erotic moment but it's a fascinating power play and i think in that moment that's just like pure iconography in the making mm-hmm. and it's the... in that scene where it slowly becomes like in the mood for love where it's like the tension is palpable and it's the space between them that seems smaller and smaller as the seconds go along and and it is a subversion the, of power. Like, she's fully in control, not just because he's high, but, like, she has all the cards that he really doesn't. He is kind of probably the most naive character in the film, like, despite his posturing yeah. where he's so oh, desperately yeah. trying to be the tough guy. Like, he doesn't even come close, not in a city full of pimps and drug dealers and, you know, even his own dad, who seems to wield a very kind of persuasive, borderline abusive power over his son. Yeah. Yeah, there's He's definitely still some dramatic irony here. submissive to the person that murdered his father. That's like how kind of like not like he's just not an alpha. He's just like he's still kind of like you're pretty cool even though you murdered my dad. You know, it's like yeah. one of those things. Like <laughs> he is still hey, the geek at do? the party, impressed by the, the, the cool girl is talking to him. Basically, exactly. you know, he buys her a and cheeseburger, which is really adorable. <laughs> yeah, and he and like at like the end, it's like he's still kind of like i guess i'll just like drive with you though yeah. even though you like you know yeah. murdered my pops like i guess that that just is what it is the graduate style ending works so well imagine the graduate because, but like, dustin hoffman killed her killed yeah. her father i was oh, kind yeah. of hoping yeah. the end music would be hello just by awesome lionel Hamilton. richie because yeah. she mentions that's her favorite song but i imagine i really wish hello, hello. that was what i want I, I i wanted that to be so too i, I was like oh she's gonna play Hello. <laughs> just like, all right, this is dope. I mean, it was ending, even a little, um, it's a little too much. The ending actually right. reminds me of another vampire film, which is Let the Right One In, which is that idea mm, of yes. like Great movie. the human yeah. boy yes. who really does truly think he's going to save the vampire girl, but ultimately he's probably going to be chewed out and left out to hanging to dry. Like, mm. it's an inescapable cycle that at best will leave him kind of heartbroken and at worst will probably leave him another corpse in that valley. Um, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I, mean, I don't think it's quite as so bleak lonely. as the fate is let the right one in. Like I, I remember seeing the stage version that they did of that. The National Theatre of Scotland did a theatrical production, oh, wow. and I remember leaving the theatre and all these people saying what how sweet they thought the ending. It was like that ending is horrifying. <laughs> how yeah. can you think that that's Imagine the good me, yeah. option? Yeah, and he's and that kid is like what ten in that movie? What yeah, like, they gotta be like middle school. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, he is signing up for essentially, the, you know, the fa- for anyone who hasn't seen that film, he is signing up for the fate of the, the full-on child molester at the, end, the beginning of the film. So, mm, yeah, did did Thomas Alfredson almost uh, adapt it for the stage as well? I don't think or was he it somebody did. Else? I believe it was I want to say it was David Gregg who at the time was basically running the National Theatre of Scotland, but it was still set in Sweden and it was still very like incredibly faithful to the to the film. I, I haven't read the book, but oh, it was. It was beautifully done, and from what I understand, they did take it to London and New York and stuff. So I think it did quite well for the National yeah. Theatre of Scotland. I wouldn't have said it was naturally, like, I wouldn't have said, like, oh, I, I imagine that's immediately going to make a great stage show. But I enjoyed it. Like, the way they do the, the scene with the pool, I thought was very inventive. Oh, and I went to yeah, university with the like girl that. who did the blood effects, yeah. which was cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, man, that pool scene is so, oh, it's one of the best things ever. It's just truly yeah. just, and I, I just think about that head, like the blood or like the head falling in, it's, it's a head, right? A decapitated head like falls into the yeah. pool, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. God, that's such a great shot. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, but you know, I was speaking about the rules for a second, because I think like anytime you watch a vampire movie, you're just like, all right, 
What are the rules of this one? Because everyone has their own take. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's never. Because you think just, like things need to be established again. Yeah, it's, it's like, never just yeah. like okay. It's garlic and it's this. Like you know, it, it's never like super like. It, it's never like the most stereotypical way you can think of. Sometimes there, there's like little twitches and little retoolings of what are the rules. Like, not every movie has the rule that vampires have to be invited in to come in or whatever. Or not every every vampire movie can't see themselves in the mirror. That kind of shit. Like they they'll somehow have one of those. Some will have both. Some will like not have the sunlight thing. Like it's all like mismatched. And I'm like, all right, what are the rules of this one? They just never explain it. I'm like, yeah, why? Why? You didn't need to. It, do- it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I it's think like, a lot of writers get too wrapped basics. up in that. I think they're very enamored yeah. with like, I have to reinvent the real book, especially after Twilight. I think a lot of people were like, we either have to reestablish the old school rules of vampirism. Or we have to kind of go off in our own directions again. And I really think, I mean, that's why one of the reasons vampire stories are so popular is you really can kind of pick and choose. Like, you know, you really don't, ha- they don't have to burst out, you know, burst to flames in the sunlight. That started in Nosferatu. That's not in Dracula. They don't have to yeah. be, you know, afraid of garlic or all of these things. You really can pick and choose. And I, I like the, you know, the very bare bones nature of this kind of vampire. Because frankly, the, the, like sometimes the simplest take is the best and it's the most effective. I don't think this film would she's be made better by like she a backstory. Eats people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like a vampire. She sucks people's blood. There you go. What are you gonna she, do? I mean, she like, fully it, mutilates them. She fully tears off that guy's finger. And at first, he's like, right. when she when he sees her fangs, he's just sort of like, you know what? I could get cool. into this. Yeah, right. Does not dawn on this idiot that something bad is obviously going to happen. Hey, I've seen weirder shit before, <laughs> alright? Like, you know, I've been around the block. Fangs don't I can sell me. this like, somehow, I'm sure. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> we can work around that, yeah. And it's, it's, I, I, think it's the, around, I think it's around that scene that you start to, or I start to realize that there's such a thin line between, like, sensuality and, like, body horror, because, like... Oh, the, yeah. Yeah, right, so... Have you have you guys seen and I don't know if this counts as a vampire movie. It basically is, but like um oh shit, what's the Claire Denis film? I already forgot the title. Uh the vampire Trouble... one? Trouble Every Day? Yeah. Trouble yeah, yeah, yeah. Every Day. Have yeah. you guys seen that? That is Vincent brutal. Gallo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. fucking it's Jesus. Um but like yeah. that's also kind of like a, you know, it's a more like sexual erotic understanding of what vampirism is and like you said there's it's such a like you can just any kind of like um oh also uh, another very like erotic film um the bigelow uh dark uh, man near i can't dark. think of any title incredible yeah um but near like dark. That's there's also, a lot like, of near dark sexy. in this i think because the idea of like yes. this oh yeah near dark stuff i think there's a lot of the loveless in this yeah it feels like a good british well, movie dark. Yeah. yeah i bet totally. near dark was filmed in california because this was because a girl walks home at Alone at Night was also filmed mm-hmm. in California, and they feel very, yeah. like, set design-wise, yeah. they feel very similar. I mean, you could totally. definitely see, like, um, Bill Paxton and the crew, uh, like, sleeping over at one of those, like, oil refineries or power stations as, like, a hideout mm-hmm. until they move to their mm-hmm. next place. So you could definitely see that in that movie. Um, Lance Hendricks. Yeah, you can see the bikes going down the road, yeah, like, just yeah, yeah, as, yeah, yeah, yeah. as You can see maybe Willem Dafoe in a leather jacket, like, finding his way around <laughs> yes. this town. Yeah. Willem Dafoe should be Absolutely. in all the vampire movies. The only actor to get Oscar nominated for playing a vampire. And of course it's Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. For, so for Shadow of the for Vampire. For the one with Malkovich. Um, yeah, yeah. I, was, I, was, I knew I, Yeah, I knew that one. <laughs> you got to know your Dafoe a- facts. Oh, I have a... 
Well, we gotta <laughs> that's, have a really good expert fact. on for sure. That's why we brought you on for like you know we wanted you to talk about a girl walks home alone at night, but we also wanted you to bring your Defoe knowledge. So this is, <laughs> yeah, this like is I, yeah. Still salty. He didn't win that Oscar for the Florida Project. Still just like occasionally think about it and like oh, crazy. Dark. <laughs> crazy. Um, what was I gonna say? Um, but like uh, what? I just sorry. I just thought of a fun concept. What actor who hasn't played a vampire do you want to see play a vampire? Pretty much all of them. I'm of the opinion that most directors' filmographies would be improved if they'd made a vampire film. Um, I, I don't think Mass Mickelson has played a vampire, which feels very strange to me. Ooh. Like, how have you not ticked that Ooh. off Especially of your, 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 your list yet, Mass? Uh, Hannibal Lecter is mm. basically a vampire, but like, you know, mm. I think he yeah. should go yeah, all right. the way. Um, there's like two or three different versions of Dracula in the works right now. Someone should pick him for at least one of them. Karen Kusama, give him a call. Karen Kusama's doing one, yeah. Uh, Karen Kusama's doing one since Chloe Zhao. Yeah, yeah it, but so. is that a Dracula movie or is that just a vampire movie? Well, they're both Dracula adaptations, apparently. Well, one of them is oh, more Dracula adaptation, and I think the other one is like inspired by, and then like a western I, or whatever. She says. Well, it, it's called Jean. It will probably be a western. Um, yeah, sure, right, right. Good, but, point, good, um, point, good point. And then I think someone's making a film about Renfield, which could be quite interesting because he's kind of the most, I think, misunderstood character in the book of Dracula. But. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, I, I would put Master. Has Jolie played a vampire? Has Angelina Jolie played uh, a vampire? I don't think so. I would love to, to see that. that. That that feels like a natural. I would love too. to see her. I just someone who like you know because a lot of vamp- vampire movies, we, you know, when the when the film you know when the woman is the vampire, they, a lot of times they'll just like you know weaponize her sexuality to like basically draw on their victims and. Bitey bitey, um, but like uh, you know, that's the same thing with Trouble Every Day with um, uh, the main actress or not the main actress, but the actress in that, like the first vampire. Um, even though they're, it's never totally like they're never like explicitly say that's a vampire because it's like they don't have like fangs or whatever. They just kind of eat people. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but like that, Jolie would be really interesting. I would love to see that. My, my ultimate dream yeah, is I would love to see a vampire film by Lynn Ramsey because I think she makes such fascinating films about trauma and I think that would fit really Mm -hmm. well with the theme Um, I think she has a couple films in the pipeline that may or may not ever come to fruition that would be the dream because like Mm. a bunch of my favourite filmmakers already have like Del Toro has made vampire films Park Chan-wook made a wonderful vampire movie Um, I don't think Schrader has once again we we can get on that Paul you've got time Uh, Claire Denis made one um, even filmmakers Jim like don't, Jim Jarmusch Only Lovers Left Alive is wonderful yeah, Mary yeah. Harron has made one it's I love her yeah. um, even filmmakers Campion, like don't especially like she hasn't made one uh, Werner Herzog Campion has made one yeah. Jane Campion hasn't made a vampire movie she hasn't yeah. no that would be really interesting and Herzog's yeah. Nosferatu is really fascinating it's incredible yeah. so many rats um, in I'm trying I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to brainstorm somebody yeah I um I hear you. I do. Is Brad has but, Brad Pitt played a vampire? I don't know if that would work. Interview with a vampire. Oh, I haven't seen it. I oh haven't God. seen it. I he thought is, that was he's Louis in Interview with a Vampire, which I film I greatly dearly love as an Anne Rice nerd, and also every single person in that film is wildly miscast. Like Tom Cruise That's has so no business playing Lestat, and yet he's brilliant in it. <laughs> but they're doing a TV series mm. of that now, which I am. 
tentatively hopeful for. Yes. yes. Because is anything inter- is anyone interesting attached to that? Uh, well, Brian Fuller was attached to showrunner for a while and then mysteriously disappeared, which made me sad because I, I love Hannibal and I yeah. think he would have been a good fit for it. But um, they, they just cast an actor at Playlist Stat whose name is Noah Reed, who I have never heard of. He just looks like a nondescript white guy to me. But um, I will wait and see. We got a few of those. Ideally, like, if they keep going for that, they have to get into the really bonkers and Rice books. Like, they have to get into the books where aliens turn up and they have to get into the Mayfair Witches books where it's full of weird dynastic incest demon baby rape like there's so much that they need to get into that series oh yeah (laughs) people forget how genuinely bonkers those books are because like i think most people only kind of know the film and the film is beautiful but it's actually nowhere near as loopy as the book like in the book claudia the child vampire like she's played by kirsten dunst and she's about 11 in that film in the book she's five huh Oh and in the book, she's way more sensual, to put it gently. So there's a reason they didn't cover all that in the movie. Oh, I got, um, how about Jeremy Strong? Give me... Damn, all right. Let's vampire. do it. Yeah. That's a that's a name. Let's Honestly, do that. like, that's Succession awesome. with Vampires would probably be name? fascinating. <laughs> like, I don't think there are oh. enough vampire stories about, like, the parasitic nature of capitalism and i think that like actually succession would probably be a really good fit for that so Mm. absolutely yeah there's there are those like there's like vampire as someone who just watched the first underworld somewhat recently it does like they do like tribalism and cabals and like hidden societies of vampires same thing with the first blade or whatever how like they've been in control of like the world secretly over the last however hundreds of years and that they are like it's like almost a lot of regal stuff but a lot of just like um su- uh supremacy kind of narratives in the sense like in when it when it comes to um underworld like that whole movie like the whole movie is about how like vampires can't stand the idea of crossbreeding or whatever and think that's like against nature and is like very has like a lot of weird you know connections to like white supremacism or whatever um and so, like that, that so there, there, like you said earlier, Kaylee, like you can just anything with vamp, like zombies, you have a limited kind of thing, like it's like, I mean, you you can do your race allegories, you can do like some of your like you know in, intersocietal like mistrust and capitalism like, allegory, yeah. yeah, but like it's sometimes, but you have to kind of, it, it takes a while because zombies in itself, the actual characters of zombies are so you have, I mean, unless you're doing something different, they're just lifeless. They're like lifeless beings that don't portray any real emotion or anything. They're just like well, drones. vampires have too much life, right? Yeah, but like vampires <laughs> are like yeah. other just like, they're just like people. I mean, kind of yeah. like they could be monsters, but like they have human emotions and are emote or whatever. I mean, and that's um, certainly so like very post on rights where vampires really kind of became like the emotional center of stories rather than being mm-hmm. very much like Dracula, where they are this kind of big foreboding baddie and they kind of stand in for all of these ideas. Um, I think another reason that I, I really love um, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, and it is a depressing rarity, is it's a vampire story where people aren't white. Like, vampirism is a yeah. super white genre. And I can, oh, I have yeah, really sure. only seen a handful of examples and read a handful of examples where it, it is different. I mean, Park Chan-wook's First is a really good example of that. Um, Thirst, yeah. yeah. Also, really good one that actually plays around with ideas of Christianity. Most vampire films don't do that. They tend to go secular. Um, and also, I, I think that's another thing that's really interesting about the kind of ambiguity of the story, which is it's set in, clearly set in, it's in Iran, it's a Muslim country, but like, you know, religion and kind of 
the I, the foreboding idea of faith that you often see with vampire films is absent here. Like, there's no scene of anyone like waving the Quran in the face of the girl trying to weave, yeah, you know, yeah, pr- yeah. push her back mm-hmm. like they would weave a cross in their face. Um, I don't think you see any prayer for another example or something. Yeah, I mean, I no, think you get like, the idea that yeah. she's almost invincible, which I find really interesting. Mm. Yeah, there, yeah. there's a moment and, and, where the uh, Ati, I think that's how you pronounce her name, um, the prostitute, she asks like when she like confronts um, the girl that you're like that you're following me basically and saying, well, are you religious? Like that's one of the accusations is that like that was one of the first assumptions. Like, oh, you must be religious if you're following me, which is interesting. I don't necessarily know what to read into that, mm-hmm. but that's interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> the idea and that there is even like know, a like... force of faith in this city that seems to be so lawless yeah, and yeah. so deprived of anything. Like the idea that the light of God would ever touch this city almost feels like a joke. But, you know, there probably still are people who are like chasing a tea down the street, shaking their fists at her for being a sex worker. Right. Um, it's like religious beliefs are lost and they're just trying to find like they know that religion is something that they must obtain. But the reason why they must obtain it, it's like. They're, they're kind of directionless in that vein. Um, Beliefs have died yeah, in that city. Yeah. Believing in right. anything. It's so devoid of just, like, hope. Like, it's a whole thing. Is when the girl talks to a T and is like, you don't even know what you want anymore. You don't even know really what you're... you're <laughs> got. Like, it's like a pretty brutal takedown of just... I, I never want to ask someone, so, you know, oh, you've been watching me. What do you think? I never want to know that. Don't tell me. Don't mm-hmm. tell me what you think of me. I want to be very in- this, ignorant to that fact. And especially with Arash's dad, like the mm-hmm. the drug addiction stems from like no purpose right so it's like it's in his grief if you want in his in his grief yeah um and, and of course like taking away the the like religion could have been replace a replacement for the drugs yes. but since he's had the drugs taken away now he's just like gone a little crazy he's gone yeah. mad for for seeing his dead wife and the cat so it's like um yeah there is that also that cat like if we're talking about the religious aspects of it i mean doesn't necessarily have to be religious but like the whole thing with the cat is very interesting and how it's like yeah like connected on a like soul uh, on a uh like um ethereal to bring that word back ethereal hey. level with <laughs> there's um, peter weir <laughs> yeah right uh there's like an ethereal level the cat and the girl are connected in some way like the cat is yeah. also connected to has some connection to vampirism <laughs> or whatever it's, it's reminds me of inside Lewin Davis. Like Lewin is the cat. Right, yeah, that's the cat. That's the quote. Yeah, yeah. Is cat as Kaylee as a as a vampire expert yourself? Uh, uh, is there is there any connection to cats? Is that like a thing in a lot of vampirism stories? Well, a lot of vampirism stories have vampires tend to sh- can, can shape shift into animals. It's usually a dog or yeah, a wolf a of some kind. Yeah, um, I think yeah. there's just a certain kind of like aesthetic connection. You know, this idea of like mm-hmm. the the cat is mm-hmm. a, a more like isolated figure it's very like solitary it has no time for yes. your human bullshit i think that there is a kind of sense of that and yeah. especially in this film which is really all about loneliness like everyone is lonely including the guy with the cat which should be the ultimate companion and the cat doesn't yeah. give a damn absolutely the cat gives I, I it loyalty cat, immediately and goes to the it, killer <laughs> like true. the cat and the girl are are very similar i think because yeah they they're they're drifters and you know the, yeah yeah to- I agree. I agree with that. The whole and, movie's about drifting. Um, the yeah. Um, the, I think the cat also stems back to like, even even though cats aren't featured in a lot of European cinema, like if they are in it, I won't bat an eye. You know, like 
because European cinema, especially like French cinema and Italian cinema, like to me, like they're they're always pretty mean, tends to like uh, and and uh, cynical. Mm-hmm. But it like the character at the forefront of some of those films, they'll have a respect for like a cat or a dog or you know a child. Like they they have this uh, pretty crude sense of the world, but they'll always you know like um, like we we're talking about. They'll always have like a companion by them. So, by their side and um yeah it's just like a fun dichotomy whenever that happens yeah and sometimes there's points in your life when you're so cynical of humanity that you'll just you'll connect to something that doesn't like that doesn't have a chance to really um expel that humanity but still has emotions like you said like a child or a cat or a dog it's just like i fucking hate everyone but you're pretty cool since you're not that (laughs) since you're not them I mean, it's especially an isolating world. I mean, I mean, especially for women, like the handful of women we do see in this film, like that basic, that central idea, the title itself, you know, a girl walks home alone at night. I think every woman has had that experience of like, you know, they have that vo- their, their mum's voice in the back of their heads. Like, okay, you got your keys in between your fingers in case you need to stab a guy that comes behind you. Don't take this route. Don't go here. You know, something mm-hmm. terrible happened there. Be ready to run. Don't wear high heeled shoes in case you need to make a break for it. That kind of thing. And the idea of seeing that kind of that isolating nature of that horrible voice breathing down the back of your neck that you hear every time you go out the house, to, to see this kind of vengeful figure subvert it. And there's a scene where the girl is walking across the street, and on the other side is this guy who's basically tried to pick up a tea and then kind of insulted her. And he walks, and then she walks, and then they stop. And she's kind of taunting him like a toddler. And it's like, now you know what this is like. For one night, you know what it's like to be intimidated by a stranger looking at you across the street. Regardless of how innocuous it actually is, your your default mode is danger. Because it has to be. It's a defense mechanism. So there is, I think... And he runs away. Yeah. And there's like the intrinsic, like, almost primal kind of satisfaction of that. Which I think you saw that in oh, a yeah. lot of like the advertising for this film and a lot of like the early publicity was really like the you know the you go girl nature of it, but I think really it's yeah. much more melancholy than that because she's does have all of this she's power, but like what else does she have? She's really lonely. Yeah. She's probably going to kill Arash at some point. Something is going to happen to that guy. The cat might be okay, but you know, it, th- this isn't a happy ending for her or anyone else. She's getting out of bad city, but where are they going to go? You get the sense that there isn't anywhere else to go. Good city. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Good city. Zero That's right, corpses Chloe. in our ravine. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know, she, it, it's like the it's like the town. bad place. It, it's like the good place. Like this is the bad. You know, it's like if yeah, they get that's there. That's the bad city. This is the good city. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Ted Danson. Um, what about Sin? Hey, what about Sin yeah. City? Right. Oh, there it's you like, go. I feel there you go. That must I, have been a reference point. Like I'm sure that. Like I early, believe it was. Yeah, I, do, I remember. Like, like before Miller lost his mind, Sin City. You know, when he actually seemed to like have some self awareness before he went full like, I'm the goddamn Batman. Like. Yeah. That real kind of, you know, the, the desolation that he has in those books before it went all yeah. loopy. Uh, but it's a bit like Sin City is uh, one of my, uh, my Frank Miller and Alan, Alan Moore like are sort of like in the same. You know, just let Alan Moore go off and worship his yeah. snake god. He's fine. He's writing million page books and gets yeah. to be on The Simpsons now and then. And Frank Miller is just like, you know, I can't begin to think about what went wrong there. Not right now. 
yeah, he's kind of a fascist. I don't know. Um, uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I think he uh, really is. I, I unfortunately yeah, read The Holy Terror. I didn't pay for it, so it was okay. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love The Dark Knight Returns, obviously. I mean, like, it's a, it's a great book, but it's also like, uh, you're a fascist, Batman. <laughs> like, you know, like, the book, also the book kind of understands it, too, which is, it, it's always just kind of interesting. Um, I, I've never read those sequels, though. I've heard they're bad. The Dark Knight Strikes know. Again is very bonkers. Um, yeah. and really, like, th- th- he should never be allowed to write Wonder Woman. <laughs> Even by the standards of, oh, like, God. weird, creepy men writing Wonder Woman, Frank Miller is in yeah. peak. What, what, what was the third one called? Master Race? Was yes. that the third one? <laughs> I haven't read that one. God. But yeah, the, the subtitle there again, is just, but... like, the subtitle there is, like, Master Race? All right, Frank, I don't know if I'm gonna go for you on this one. <laughs> that could go a lot of wrong ways. Um, boy. <laughs> Um, you haven't even opened the book yet. It's yeah, just right. You see that title? I don't know, Mr. Miller. I don't know. You start to glance at um, it in the book on the bookshelf in your local bookshop, and everyone stops and stares at you. You just like quietly yeah, right, move like, on to like hush instead. Yeah, it's like you you gonna choose that one, really? Huh? All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, you see someone like pick it up and like slowly like go over to the register. Yeah, exactly. My. Um, what was I gonna say? Um. Uh, oh yeah, like um, I, I early on like there's this. Do you guys know the concept of a sin eater? I, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, it's um, this. Yeah. I, I forget the. Even if we do, you should explain it anyway. Yeah, like, that'd be kind of weird if it's like yeah. Moving on. <laughs> I, I forget no, the origins it. of it, but it's basically this like you know creature that like follows people like you know like they they identify people identify people through like sin. Like, it's like a stench, like an aroma of how much sin they've, like, committed, or what, if they've committed a recent sin, or if they've committed, a, like, a huge amount of sins, or whatever. And they get dragged into it, and they eat them. But they, or also they eat the sin off them. That's, like, their fuel, is that, mm. like, you know, they consume the person, but they consume the sins that can't, are contained within them. It differs a lot, like, there's a totally different amount of uh, interpretations of the concept. But that's what, in the beginning of the movie, that's what I assumed she was. Like, kind of. Like, I knew she was a vampire, but she right. roamed, like, just her roaming around the city is like, she's just, like, looking for her next, like, meal. And that and so when she first targeted the pimp, I'm like, oh, because he's, he's committed sins. When he she first targeted the boy, because he committed a sin, because he stole something or whatever. I think that's what, like, was referenced. Because she keeps, like, I know you're not a good boy. I know you're not. Don't lie to me. And like threaten and, and but it, it, obviously it doesn't that tr- that doesn't totally track because she like kills a homeless man but maybe he committed a sin or whatever but like that whole city like you were talking about Sin City like that bad city is Sin City like it's full of people doing bad things for like you know and she almost like fucking kills a Rosh at one point because uh, like when they're in the room and she pulls his head back and like to leave, to have his neck exposed but then just like places her head on his heart but like she contemplates killing him and he just sold drugs he just sold drugs to mm-hmm. a whole bunch of people like so it, it, it yeah i think vampirism is interesting if you look at through the idea of like how the vampire maybe have some moral judgment they're like a moral um they're a vengeful spirit but they're also just someone who's like like we talk about like they're she's the she's the closest form of police we see in this film <laughs> she's the closest yeah, exactly. form of like actual like law and order or like uh, judge justice if you will is like is her and so it is i I always find that interesting that idea of how maybe it was fascinating yeah like if you um if you want to interpret the girl as a as a senator 
then she doesn't even have that morality that we would expect. It, it ranges from from like fine to like questionable, and um, the people whose sin she is eating. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. you just you just it goes to the lack of uh, explanations yeah. with the character, it, it, as as well as the motivations are lacking explanation. Um, it- it's also one of those things where a vampire is always going to be mysterious. You're never going to really know a vampire. I, I, there's, in, you know, in fiction, we try to, like, there's a lot of times when we try to, like, humanize a vampire so much. We're like, this is the character. We need to, like, know everything about them. But sometimes, if we're actually talking about, like, a vampire, you're not going to fucking know what they're... Like, they're like they're a mythical creature, basically. They're, like, not people. Mm. So it's, like, it's hard... It, so it's not always going to be like, well, of course she ate that guy because he did this. It's like, she just <laughs> ate, ate a guy. There's no reasonable explanation for it. She's hungry. Well, she yeah, might exactly. not be like, hungry. I she... think that's the interesting thing. She doesn't seem to be driven by hunger. Like, there's no scene of her, like, true. needing her fix, so to speak. Like, we don't see her, like, actively hungering. We see her reject human food when, you know, the, the, the hamburger that um, Rush buys her. But Perfectly fine hamburger. I don't know what she was doing. <laughs> A perfectly fine hamburger. <laughs> Decent pair of earrings too. Well, well done, Arash. You've got not too bad yeah. taste. But you know, she isn't like there. There isn't that scene that you often see in a vampire film where someone like refuses to feed. Like oh, tying it back to interview with the vampire, the big driving point at the beginning of that story is Louis doesn't want to feed from humans because he thinks that it will be too much of an immoral sin that will like fully yeah. divorce him from humanity. So he feeds from rats. Uh, and then a lot of the stories list that as like I only feed from the bad guys, but there's no judgment of how you decide that. And you get that sense here that she is kind of mauling these guys. Like Saeed, she she fully tears that guy apart. You know, the when and when she kills um, Arash's dad, like we see her like just mauling at him like an animal. Um, it does. It's not a you know. It's a deliberately brutal process. That one that she doesn't seem to get a lot of satisfaction from. But you know, this no. is the way that she does things. This is this it is the way it is. I guess for her. Um, there's no, you know, there's no good or bad about it. You know, if everyone is playing in this morally gray area, then why, you know, why try to walk towards the light? Not that she can go in it anyway, I presume. Mm-hmm. She only gets some satisfaction is when he, she bites his finger off and tries to like feed, like to like put his own finger in his own mouth. That yeah. was fucked up. That's like the, yeah, like, that's he, really she, like bit, bit it off and she, cause he, there's that, you know, he, um uh a tea the prostitute in the car she sucks on his finger uh the girl sucks on his finger and so he mm-hmm. and then she bites his finger then tries to get him to suck his own finger which is very <laughs> it's, it's very it's like bit, no gangsters it's like, heavy revenge killing like <laughs> yeah like yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know it, it's a bit like uh let the right one in in how the vampire is studying uh human interactions and um human intimacy that just yes like ooh, yeah but yes that's a so like, good yeah, call yeah, yeah, it's, like she's foreign to it so she's trying to understand it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like it like she said like that's why she maybe that's why she follows a tea around it's just like i need to understand like people because i don't have any actual connection because it feels like that her <laughs> she that's her only connection to humanity is a tea and arash but arash comes much later but see like she mm-hmm. i don't who knows how long she's been following a tea um which is an interesting concept are all the victims and let the right one in? She only kills men, right? Am I making that up? No, I think there is. I can't. It's been so long since I've seen it. But okay, the woman who's in the okay. hospital bed that, when the curtains open. 
That's yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. It's been a long time since I've seen that one um, too. Um, same. Yeah. yeah. Uh, We're all in the same boat. Like just, we gotta rewatch this one. <laughs> but I think that's another thing vampire like stories do. Like you, you, you imprint your own morality onto them. Um, I think sure. that's one of the reasons mm. that Dracula is so popular is because you can read it in so many ways and you can kind of, you know, shift your sympathies to various characters away from them, which is why you get a lot of readings where Dracula is just a full-on two-dimensional baddie or you get the ones where he's more this kind of, like, romantic anti-hero. Like the... Um, I mean, my ver- my favourite versions of the story tend to be that play up the idea that he's, like, the the Eastern European guy who's coming over here taking all your jobs. I find that really entertaining. Um, Not a lot to do that. Um, Taking all the land as well. Like, that's my favourite thing about Dracula. He's, like, an evil, potentially demonic warlord, but he still does all of his property deals legit. He's like Doctor Doom. Yeah, he he knows how to invest in good property. Like, if you're going to do property deals, go for London. It's a very good long-term investment. I'd love to be... I'd love to be Dracula's real estate agent because you know those, like, that 2% (laughs) is fucking... Nice. <laughs> Imagine Tuskinski as the real estate agent after the trauma left him, because like that True. was a good deal that he got from that. That was. I mean, the amount of money <laughs> that goes into those places. I mean, if I get two percent of that, I'm 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 chilling. <laughs> but I think um, a lot of like the, the the assumption of money in, in vampire stories is really interesting. Like I think you saw this. One of the reasons yes. that frankly twilight is really appealing to a lot of young women when it came out is the idea you never have to worry about anything again you never have to worry about wrinkles you never have to worry about earning a living you never have to worry about paying your mm-hmm. bills and things so there's a reason i think you see a lot of these stories where it's like well i've been alive for 400 years i've accumulated a lot of money and in this film the girl has some records and seems to live in like a rundown basement but you know she's not yeah, living there's the no high idea life. Of what she does for money though She's like the mm-hmm. only person in this movie besides maybe the dad that doesn't have a job. Right? But I think she just sells the jewelry off that she steals from people because fortunately every person she seems to kill in this film has like a crap ton of rings. Like yeah. Said has mm-hmm. like the homeless a guy very ostentatious jewelry. He was homeless. <laughs> yeah, the homeless guy, I bet he didn't have much. That homeless I don't think that currency is really a thing in this world to be honest. It seems more like a barter system. True. I wouldn't be surprised if that yeah. was the case. Yeah. The homeless it's like guy, the Mad Max movies. Yeah. Her eating the homeless guy is the thing that trips me up about any of my readings on this film. That's like the that's like the like red herring. I'm just like I don't know. At first, I thought he was she was like a sin eater, and she had to like find like people who committed sins. But I don't know if that guy did at all. He's up, he's not rich. He's a man. That's the closest thing I can get. And it's just he's just there. I suppose though, maybe you could sleeping. you could take it like that's who Hassan could become if the addiction continued and if he didn't have a son right like he could if no one got rid of the drugs like it could it could be like you know lost the apartment and then like the grief took him further or something like that but maybe there's always someone to replace them that's the the thing it's like you know saeed is dead but it takes zero time for arash to immediately pick that up and even if the girl had killed Mm. him like someone would find the drugs and just keep doing it because it is kind of it seems to be the only game in town but also you know the morality level is that great already. Um, and then when you have um, Arash's dad, like, it, it, what what kills him in the end is the fact that he forces another woman to do drugs. Like, he, he basically forces heroin into a tea's veins. In a really very mm. uncomfortable scene. It's, you know, a horribly brutal way to go. I think even more brutal than the way he dies. Because um, you can at least play yeah. out the kind of yeah. idea that, like, he gets what's coming to him. Yeah. Like a tea didn't snap the chance. Yeah, like the the sense, there's a sense of karma in this world, if not morality. 
yeah, and yeah. it's that kind it's of eye for an eye thing, which never, like, it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Eye for an eye makes the whole world blind, I think, is a, the Gandhi quote. But, um, like, in, yeah, in this right, sense, yeah. like, everyone is already blind. They're just finding more things to hack off of you. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that. That's the, that's the interesting thing. Is like when she kills the pimp. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, kill him. He sucks. <laughs> like you know, he cheated at out of her cut. You know, he stole the car. He's a bad dude. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, get him. Kill him. <laughs> Bite off his finger and feed it to him. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but the dad is where you're like, he sucks, but kill him uh, you know it's that's when it really gets like that's yeah. the idea it's just like it kind of that's when you're like oh maybe she doesn't have this clear moral road it's like i mean she did i mean i don't know like he, he did really do a really fucked up thing but it's like also you know it's not something that defines his experience like the pimp like the pimp that was his pure motive in life was fucking over people and this guy is like i mean he's a addicted to drugs he's kind of he's a bad person but he's like did he have to kill him i don't know i think you and, see this yeah. with he makes like, bad choices but he doesn't live a bad life he's an so addict which like, is a horrifying thing to do I, I i think to be i should say i think it's also i mean you hear this argument a lot with like the, the slippery slope of vigilante justice it's like well you may understand the very clear moral guidelines by which you're playing now but does it mm-hmm. stay that way like have anyone seen the patty jenkins film monster you get that sense where eileen mm-hmm. warnos really did think that she was kind of this avenging angel and that falls out of the window very quickly when a more a more selfish voice or a more kind of desperate voice starts to drive her motive and, and drive her actions um mm-hmm. and i think the ambiguity around everything that the girl does is kind of plays into that idea like it's easy to project what you want onto it which is why i think you see a lot of reviews being very like gung-ho about her and like yeah she's doing a really cool thing well done her and yeah it's yeah. like the feminist dream and all of these things um that exactly. I, I do think that... i do vaguely remember uh revisiting this that there was a sort of debate in 2014 if this was if how big of a feminist message did did it ultimately bring or yeah i personally find like the is it feminist question to be a, basically a trap because, uh, I mean, I think feminism and right. these ideas mean right. so much to so many different people. And the idea to kind of ass- assert one rigid identity onto a story and then judge it by that way and, like, hold it to, like, a really unreasonable standard is very right. unfair. I mean, I remember, the like, when people started doing the, you know, Mad Max Fury Road, is it or is it not feminist? And I think that yeah. when you had all these people yes. arguing about it, you kind of missed the point of why people gravitated towards it and what they found so unique about it. Um, and it still feels really vibrant and necessary. And I think you see a lot of that with this film. Absolutely. Is that the idea of holding it to that standard of like, well, is this going to be on a t-shirt that I can buy later? Or is this going yes, to be something exactly. that I can give like a, that I can write a BuzzFeed listicle around of, you know, like 17 kick-ass movies for the, the hashtag right. girl boss working today. Um, is this going to yeah. be exploited like Harley Quinn is or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Actually, yeah. I'm so but glad yeah, I, I mean, see a lot of white women in shadows like doing this as a Halloween costume <laughs> Right, I know. Right. Yeah, I know. Seriously, but it's like it, it kind of you know same year, but it reminds me of what we talked about something similar in Gone Girl, and you know the the yes. reception to Amazing Amy and and like the the, fem- <laughs> the feminist yeah, message the, that yeah. that you know Fincher was absolutely not trying to imply with that. It's 
Or, yeah. no, I, it amazes me yeah. the amount of people who don't realize, like, okay, actually, what she's saying, the idea that, like, women put themselves into these really rigid kind of roles to try and fit into a really shitty patriarchal society is not the same thing as endorsing it or being like, fuck the bitches that do that. Also, Amy is an unreliable narrator and sociopath, guys. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Kind of amazed yeah. we missed all of that. Like, it's pretty basic stuff. So. <laughs> she's also not a feminist like if she like the like even her like core beliefs like the way she, she hates talks feminism about, i think yeah, yeah like she way she talks about other women like yeah. yeah those fucking like hags who just don't know what they're doing and just like like the way she talks about that one neighbor the uh and it's like so dismissive and like kind of like just like yeah like, like fucking he nick done you get out here she it's, despises I mean, it's the, weaponizing the idea of it more than anything else like yeah, she exactly. fully is like the white lady who understands that if you like invoke feminism or even just like the vague allure of it, you can get anything you want. I think this. I think yeah, like despises motherhood. Up. Yeah, she also it's like, despises motherhood yeah. and like being a mo- like, oh, like like there is very interesting like just like you're not like you just like hate people. Like I mean yeah like you're under <laughs> you you grasp the idea of a patriarchal society and you understand that idea of it, but like, you're also just like, you just hate people and want to kill them. Like, let's be honest here. Um, I mean, that is just the but, unfortunate God, double standard of a lot of films made by women, especially if you're a woman of color. I think oh, yeah. standards are way, way more unfair. This idea, well, if you don't do it for all of them, then you're not doing it for anyone. You don't get to, you know, like, bless, Tom Hooper's failures are not dragging down the entire male gender as much as they probably should be. But, you know, if a woman doesn't get nominated for best director, it's like, well, will women ever get nominated? You know, this year yeah. by year de- argument. Yeah, it's the we same conversation. Yet. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I really feel um, for Anna Lily I'm reporting that front as well, because uh, I know that like when the Bad Batch didn't get as great reviews, uh, yes. like it was that sense of yes. like, oh, is she in director I, jail yeah. now? Uh, she's got a new film coming out at the Venice Film Festival this year, which I yeah. it sounds looks really very good. Mona Lisa and the it looks very good. Um, you know, I w- I wanted to I didn't know when, but I did want to bring up the Bad Batch, which I do want to do completely episode about but i have not seen i it's fascinating i I saw it for i i did a double feature of of the two movies uh and you know i went into the bad you know again like i wanted to complete episode about it but i went into the movie knowing that it was horrible only hearing the worst things about it it made critics worse the year list in 2016 Uh, it was a complete failure um i knew about the silent jim carrey and the keanu reeves of it all and the jason momoa but it it was great (laughs) i liked it a lot you know it's it there's a lot of it that carries from uh girl walks home and you know it kind of takes the sin eater metaphor i'll say a little more seriously that clay brought up but interesting it there's there's a lot there's a lot similar and I wasn't, I was expecting like a complete departure, you know, lost all the atmosphere, lost all the mood, but fantastic movie on Netflix, you know? I think it's a case of, I'm interested. Like a, a lot of filmmakers get this. You're, you're so restrained by your, your, your debut with your budget, with where you can shoot, with who you're working with and things. And then you kind of get more money. And she also made, and- uh, sorry. And she also made a great uh, episode of the twilight zone. Yeah. Jordan she Peele's directed the first episode of, of Briar Patch, yeah. which was this like sun-drenched noir series. And it was Rosario Dawson did. They got cancelled after one season, but her her episode yeah. is really beautifully done. Uh, but I think the thing with the Bad Batch is like yeah. I would rather have a filmmaker who's trying way too much than too little, and she flings everything at the wall, and it doesn't feel as cohesive or um, as as tight 
as a girl walks home, but like she she's clearly working from like a singular vision that I find at the yeah, very yeah. least worth your time. And you know It kind of reminded me of like Nicholas Rogue's walkabout, where it's just you see someone going through the desert to not only find themselves, but how nature, you know, <laughs> I'm using this again, but how nature affects a person or a group of people. Um, it does have a wonderful kind of feverish intensity to it that I really like. Like, A Girl Walks yeah. Home, despite being a vampire film, is very cool, very kind of muted, and obviously the, the black and white um, the silhouettes of it all really plays into that. This one is fully under the baking sun of just people who have been driven mad by everything around them, and I think that that is genuinely really fascinating it's moody it's often really yeah. brutal um but i i think you can easily draw a line between her debut and this like it isn't a total departure the way that some people kind of sold it i think it's much more absolutely interesting that and it's demented and i, I have a soft spot for films that are just demented because <laughs> i feel like we don't get a lot of them I think keanu that's, reeves you know, plays the dream literally yeah like why, yeah, more of this why keanu like this and like neon demon keanu and like you know like Mm. When, oh when we gosh, were reminded that he's just like actually kind of a brilliant indie weirdo um like i mm-hmm. you know i wish we saw more of that with the the, the keanu renaissance yeah i mean keanu, like just to like tie back movie. to keanu uh a Dra- yeah dracula i was just gonna say Brad with dracula, that accent uh, which i like him a lot in <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh bless him that is still actually that might be my favorite vampire movie of all time it's it's Coppola's Dracula. Really yeah. interesting. It's great. I was gonna ask. I think you in terms, well, yeah, it's just in that's... terms of the like, the luridness of the novel that a lot of adaptations don't get. The sheer stylistic frenzy of it. I mean, all of the in-camera effects, oh, the so music, the Aiko Ishioka costuming, which I think is like the greatest costuming that's been in any film ever. Um, yeah, it won the Oscar. Did, yeah. It did. Yeah, the, the sheer sleaze of that yeah, film yeah. I find really interesting. But that's my favorite kind of like Coppola as well. Where he's just like, yeah. you know what? I've yeah. got a winery to pay I for. Screw all of you. <laughs> yeah, right. Because so, you know, like, it, it almost feels like an adaptation that has nothing to lose. Because like Zoetope at the time was like uh, bankrupt, and he just made Part Three uh, to to like help finance himself, and then like he makes this where it's like. This could be my last movie, you know, because like, I, I suppose you could say that for every Coppola movie where it's like everyone feels like it's last. But um, I think Dracula especially for me. Yeah, that's like in yeah. my, of my of like the 10 films, I think it's like 10 or 11 films on my, my top list of vampires. That is my, if I was to yeah. number them, it's, it's just done alphabetically because I'm not, I'm not going to argue over whether a film deserves to be 78 for 79 if I just can't do that. But uh, I, I really feel like Coppola like kind of lays down a template for what comes after for sure and you go and you go back to your idea that every filmmaker needs their own take on the vampire lore and and when you get down to that idea like Coppola's Dracula is so much more different from Adrian Lin's uh interview with a vampire and then it's uh, Neil Jordan uh Jim Jarmusch's ah sorry I was I was thinking I got that wrong when I said that yes I think no, John no, no, Berman no, was supposed me. to make and, it originally which would have I think been even more demented yeah, totally. Like, let the guy that made um, Zardoz make a vampire movie, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have been absolutely zany. And and yeah, and then, like, uh, Jim Jarmusch making Only Lovers Left Alive, and, and like, that's totally different, and um, Verna, Verna Herzog's Nosferatu, like, 
And, and Herzog's Nosferatu is so different from the original. I mean, he really clamps down on the idea of, like, the theme of the plague of vampirism, but also, like, how how quickly it takes for, like, the strict uh, boundaries of, like, polite society to fall apart. Because, like, the moment it seems like the plague is in town, all of the rich people in that movie throw their possessions onto the street and decide to have a party until they die. Like, almost immediately. <laughs> it's very Herzog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah 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 do you, do you believe that this is up there with the best of the 2010s oh yeah i mean for me it is certainly movies. in terms of the, the, the really interesting genre burst that you see in the 2010s which i think is primarily defined by like the mainstream and the superhero movies and stuff but like this really interesting burst you had of like the revival of the indie vampire i really do feel like this might be the top of the pile i mean only Lovers Left Alive is close, I will say that. Um, I think just, but that's such a, you know, I, I think Only Lovers Left Alive is not as good as a vampire movie, but I think it's a beautiful Jarmusch romantic mm. drama that also happens to be a vampire yeah. movie. Um, but yeah. I think what you get with this film is just a reminder that as the kind of low-budget indie Sundance drama struggles further and further to get a foothold in the industry, especially now that, you know, streaming like makes all these big promises and then abandons these films and no one ever sees them like to see a film that does break out in that way lives up to the hype because that's a whole other thing of like we bought this film at sundance for 20 million and now we're gonna shove it on like the service because no one likes it but this is a film that more than i think it exceeds its hype because it was so glibly described as like you know feminist iranian vampire western i think it's so much more layered and richer like the, the the textures it offers the more you rewatch it so i think it was one of those films a lot of people thought would just be like the cult movie which is a meaningless phrase now that like we just slap on every movie that's kind of weird but you know my hope is mm. that this will eventually when we can all like go out at night and at halloween and stuff this is a film that's just playing in some cool guy's basement and for good reason <laughs> i i think that is that's sort of on intention that she she hopes that this is going to be beloved for for decades. She, I think it seems as though she made this with longevity. I mean, Grant, everyone makes it with longevity in mind, but I think her especially, like for the the screenings and everyone to know like the beats, and um, she wanted the girl to have a certain icon- iconography. But and for me, she really accomplished that. I I love it. Does her new movie have a dis- distributor yet? I don't think so. I mean, it's it's set to play know. in competition at Venice, but I don't think anything else is lined up mm-hmm. about it. Because mm. uh, this It'd was released far- by yeah. Kino Lorber and Vice. The other one was Annapurna. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like maybe Netflix will try to swoop it up, um, and I, that'd be kind of lame. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'll, whatever, whatever gets. I thought you were bag. groaning at Annapurna for a second. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Piranha Parna. There's a, there's a whole story there. Yeah, there is. Yeah, oh God. Nepotism, oh, incompetency, all whole bunch of things. It's like when you whenever you you see something by them now, and you see Megan Ellison's name, you're like, oh, okay. Let's see, let's see what's gonna happen this time. <laughs> like, let, yeah. let's let's roll the dice. <laughs> I feel like every. Are they, they they are still releasing a new news films, update, right? Like they still have some stuff in the pipeline. I, once in a while, Maybe. I feel like they. Yeah, I think Booksmart. Um, I think Booksmart was like the one where like we can't let you do this anymore. <laughs> like, I think you know, like this is come on. Yeah, that was certainly one of the last draws. Like Detroit yeah. and like 
I mean, I know there's movies between Detroit and Booksmart, but like those were like the Detroit was just those poor. feel like yeah. They Detroit never should have gotten into distribution. They should have um, they no. should have just you know, <laughs> just write your blank yeah. checks for Paul Thomas Anderson, right. and right. you know yeah. all of the cool people. Like that's what you do when you're like the you know daddy's rich kid. Like just just you know. Did they do that? So easy, Wait, was... <laughs> Phantom Thread was PTA, right? right? Or, I mean, yeah. sorry, Phantom Thread. Oh, of course, no. I mean, Phantom Thread was Anna Perna, right? right? Oh yeah. Uh, yes, it was I also know Focus. Pete, I know Paul Thomas. But it was Anderson a it was a it was a code distribution with, yeah, with Focus. Yeah, so. okay, 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 okay. Um, I, I know Paul. Oh, let me just be clear. I know Paul Thomas Anderson directed Phantom <laughs> Thread. I'm, I'm not a jag off. Like I know that. Um, I remember seeing um, the first year I went to the Toronto Film Festival. I remember going to see The Sisters Brothers, a film I absolutely ah. loved, and then being genuinely believing that film could have a great run because it played so well in this great really shooting could. I attended. It has then, four gigantic yeah. actors. Yeah. Four gigantic actors. Jake fucking Gyllenhaal. And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll just dump this somewhere. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, that, their 2018 was just like, ah, like it, they lost so much money. Jake Gyllenhaal and Joaquin Phoenix. And that movie made no cultural impact. It's it was the Nightcrawler reunion with Riz Ahmed too, you know. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Maybe I don't know. What if like what if like Sound of Metal came out before Sister Brothers? Would they? I still think they would have fucked it up somehow. I mean, they screwed over even um, if Beale Street could talk, and that was supposed oh, to be their absolute God. slam dunk. Of that was the big one, yeah. And they God. just like yeah, and, screwed the and, and they also had Vice and that and and uh, bus. Yeah. Did they have Vice? Yeah. Yep. Vice, yeah oh boy. That was oh. a movie that was released. <laughs> that, that's actually true. Was it? I, fun fact. That's actually true. Or, yeah. That's like that's yeah. a true statement that you just said. Are we um, sure? Jesus, Vice. Um, a lot of films they only have credit on, like uh, Hustlers was supposed to be Annapurna, and then that was one they quickly dumped when they ran out of money. And that was uh, STX. Yeah. STX. Yeah. Which paid off well oh, for yeah. them. That film did great. Uh, I think they made back like ten times well, as right? budget. Yeah, SCX yeah. is doing well. I'm not and they're and they're much they're much smaller than yeah. Too, but they're so. like doing it. Like they have a few films that I think they're successful. <laughs> they're doing it. They're doing it. I don't know. I feel like I'm saying that statement with like no. No, research, they, they're but certainly I think SCX doing it. Is doing okay. I think they had a hand in yeah. the Irishman and a couple other films. Um, yeah, like they had Peppermint. Uh, oh, Jennifer no. Garner. Let's not talk about Peppermint. That's, uh, that's I think they do a lot of Cheddar Butler movies, which, if nothing else, is good for like the dad uh, market. Did they do Den of Thieves? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if they did Den of Thieves. They've done a couple of Guy Ritchie's recent ones. Who did do Den of, Den of Thieves? I oh, did Red, Den of Red Thieves. Man. Fun fact: I produced it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, like, yeah, I produced it. Yeah. Joke, the joke's out. You know, I've, I've been caught. I'm, yeah, swimming in cash. Um, God, I actually want to watch Den of Thieves. So that's another thing. Um, my, I, I do want to say my. If someone would like to pick Den of Thieves, it's we would, that would like be a to fun episode. It. I can just imagine. See if you can get Christian yeah. Petzl um, on your podcast because it was in his top ten of the twenty oh, tens. Bro, <laughs> if we got Petzl on our podcast, uh, it's like it's like Sofia Coppola um, choosing Daddy Daddy's Home is one of her favorites. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or uh, Michael Mann saying Avatar is one of the five greatest movies ever. Yeah, made. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that well, that is right and avatar is right next to Be- beautiful from uh yeah he's like um, it's, it, it's yeah, like yeah, avatar you know, and whatever fucking piece of shit uh Two is made or whatever well, there's like the sheer any, amount I, of filmmakers who kept talking about how much they love joker like quentin tarantino and greta yeah, gerwig yeah, yeah, were yeah. all like i love that um, it was like he, greta gerwig yeah mm-hmm. i didn't hate the film i think it's fine brilliant free ball bridge yeah 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 it's the only it's one of two times i i saw that one at tiff as well and it was one of two times in my life where i went to a press screening and people stood up and applauded at the end. It's like people that you like, respect and, and like, and you know, stuff like that. Or... I couldn't see any faces because <laughs> I was like just random. like slowly packing my bag up. Oh. <laughs> like... Yeah, like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, so we're done, right? We don't have to you know, stay for any Q&A. Fortunately, not at press screenings, so yeah. <laughs> I would... God, if I was oh, there in Venice and like... Like when it got the golden line or whatever, I just like I don't know if I, my eyes would roll out of my head. That's how what would happen. They would just roll so hard, they just plop out of. Well, head. I remember when it won the re- golden yeah, line of Venice. I think it was yeah, the day before yeah, I but... saw it at TIFF. Actually, it was the day before the big press screenings. Oh, that that's they were the worst time to it. see it. And I was in the press room um, with my phone, just trying to like follow the Venice stuff on Twitter, mm. and you could see the buildup of critics being like, "Todd Phillips is here. What is he winning? Wait." They haven't handed anything out to Todd Phillips yet. Wait. And then there was just like laugh emojis. <laughs> what just... an insane sentence. Todd yeah. Phillips, oh the fucking guy who made the Hangover movies. He's here at Venice. He's getting an award. Give Old it school. to him by Lucretia Martel, who is one of my favorite filmmakers. Like, I, have, I, I don't even hate that film. I think it's fine. But like, that was just a very weird season of discourse. And I will never forgive them for that. I... Very weird. Like... Uh, Worst discourse in Twitter deep, history. I'll I'll say it. I'll yeah. put it on the line. I'll just I'll, I'll do it. I'm not. I'm, I mean, I'm like to go there. you know, just three billboards, Shape of Water. That was pretty bad. Like I don't know. I don't know. You know, at least Shape of Water gave us sexy fishman and Guillermo del Toro. Joker just gave us like mm. I don't know if you heard. Like uh, Lynn Ramsey gave an interview recently. She was at a film festival in I think Valencia, and she talked about how she met Todd Phillips at Venice, and he made some comment about liking her little movie. And she said something to the effect of, "Yes, I know you liked it. I could tell." So yeah, she needs to cut ah, the check. Get <laughs> fucked, Todd. Get <laughs> fucking fucked, tell. You suck. <laughs> Fuck you. Lynn Ramsey is one of my favorite frame. interviews too. Oh, she's oh, so no bullshit. Like, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I, and um, you know, speaking of like, whenever I, I saw Anna Lily Amapur giving our interview for for this, or uh, when I was rewatching the interviews um, that I saw when I first saw this, she's. Like such an infectious personality. She has um, the coolest just... IMDb photo I've ever seen. It's just her in sunglasses, just chilling. It's so fucking cool. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> her, um, her and Sheila. We don't really. Um, I was. Uh, what, who did the interview? Um, I think it was Vice actually who did the yeah, interview between funny. her and. She, it was between her and Sheila Band, and it's just really, really great. There was a half-hour chat um, about about the making of the movie and. Uh, the inspiration behind it but it's like oh i, I think i think that one is like such a great companion piece um, i'm so glad she's making after this i'm like because mm. i, cause I yeah. saw her imdb like after i was like all right so what is she doing next and i just see all of this television and just like one at like one episode of legion two episodes of twilight zone and i'm just like mm-hmm. oh no we did this again didn't we because when i because when i looked back back to her career when this was coming out it was it's a little bit like what we see with Ari Aster or Robert Eggers where it's like this premieres and then like something else is already on the docket like Bad Batch was like in production right 
uh, like as this was coming out yeah, in November. But, you know, one's The Lighthouse and one's Midsommar, so it's like, <laughs> unfortunately, those movies are way more like they just pop. And I haven't seen Bad Batch. I want to though, because I'm I'm now I, I'm sold. I whatever she does, like there, she <laughs> has in her IMDb like her like in development or whatever is fucking her directing a cliffhanger remake with J- Jason Momoa, and I'm like. I never thought I would want to watch that movie, but now I do. Like, well, apparently you know, Jason it's going to be an all-female reboot, but he's, like, making a cameo in it or something, which, like, I think she could Jason pull Momoa. that off. And I think mm-hmm. if you're going to remake a film, you might as well do it. Yeah, Jason Momoa is in Bad Batch. Yeah. That makes sense. I think they're friends, which... But he's not playing the Stallone role? No, apparently it's all going to be all women. And I think he's, like, just I'm using his sure, name to get whatever. some clout on it, which is good. Like, if you're going to remake a movie, remake one that people don't... Sorry to the cliffhanger stands out there if you, you know, right, exist. Because right. someone definitely loves this movie out there somewhere. It's the internet. Kaylee, but, you know. they're going to come after you. Those cliffhanger fans, are, they're nuts. They're crazy. But, man. like, I just, I just Frank want... Frank is just going to uh, come for me. Mona Lisa in the... Oh God! I just want Mona Lisa in the Blood Moon so badly now. Well, like, the, I, I did hear so the um, cinematographer for that, her new film, is uh, Ari Aster's cinematographer. So... Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, and um, the lead is Jung Jung Soo, who Jung Jung Soo, who was in Burning, the Lee Chang Dong movie. I think she's wonderful. Yes. So. Yes. I just I, I love that she you know, her just a refusal to stick to a specific genre or like play it kind of safe. Absolutely. Um, especially and she keeps getting to do it on film because there are so many filmmakers I love, especially women directors, who are in that thing where it's like okay, you've made one really great film, it's at Sundance, and now you're probably just going to shoot TV. And it's like, no disrespect to that, but it's not something we get to see them put their kind of stamp on. Um, like, I love the work of So Young Kim, who made Treeless Mountain and Love Song. Um, she mostly directs television yeah. now. She did some of that um, Dr. Death show that was on recently, the one with Joshua Jackson. See, that's the issue. That, I'm sorry, no, if it, it's like, doc, the doc, like, you know, you have to be like, oh, what was the show? Like, that's the fucking thing. It's like... Like, she, you know, uh, she directed, like, uh, Anya directed, like, an episode of Castle Rock. And I'm like, why the fuck are you, like, it's so fucked up that they just get relegated to TV almost immediately. And it's not even, like, great TV. It's not even, like, necessarily like Game of Thrones. I mean, not the Game of Thrones is maybe a bad example. But it's not, like, necessarily, like, Succession or fucking, um, I don't know, it's some good TV. Right, because, I mean, bringing up Hustlers uh, earlier, like, Lorraine Scafari is going to be doing a few episodes of Succession. So is Lulu Wang. Which Wong, yeah. Yeah, and we, we, that's like that's like the kind of shows that these filmmakers should be like getting, not like Castle Rock or whatever, like a show no one watches that's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And it, like, I mean, I watched yeah. that first season, funny enough, but like, it, and it's not even. <laughs> I, know, I right? mean, like for me, but not. Yeah, for I watched it, but no, no one else did. <laughs> yeah. But like, not like a Rosario Dawson USA show or whatever. Like, no offense, like to Rosario Dawson, Bad you bat, know, or, uh, she's just one of the best. I love Briar her. Patch. She's yeah. best, but like, it's like, just her, that show. Mm-hmm. it's so far like yeah no she should be making movies and i'm glad she is because it's yeah damn. but it's it's funny that that she's remaking a cliffhanger because you know bringing it back to running Why not? and uh, <laughs> uh nightmare four he hangs off um, cliffs he's a cliffhanger yes yeah. like let's do something with it or th- or she I don't uh know. you you bring up the photographer of this movie and lyle vincent shot it who also did uh cory finley's movies and she's yeah really 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 talented yeah this movie looks i mean the lighting i mean it's all so it, it's one of the best black and white nowadays I, i'm when yeah, i hear it's gonna be black and white i'm like oh fuck really all right 
Like, it's not even that, like, you know, I love black and white, but it's just, nowadays, it's just, like, you know, the fucking Logan. There's, like, black and white cut of Logan or, you know, the Snyder The cut black and white cut like, of Fury Road, which was inexplicable to me. Like, the whole point of that film is... Um, excuse me, Kaylee, black and chrome? Oh, yeah, excuse yeah, what it's called. My mistake for the dorm room collectors in the world. But there's a lot of black and white films this year. I mean, you've got The French Dispatch, Wes Anderson... Uh, Joel Cohen's The Tragedy yes, of Macbeth, yeah. which looks like a Bergman movie. Uh, come on, come on. Uh, come on, come on, Mike with Mike Mills. He just released the first image Ooh. of it. Um, the Macbeth yeah. movie's going to be black and white? Yes. Yeah. So. Um, Sounds pretty nice. If, if, if we're only getting solo Cohen from now on, you know, like, let's let's see how <laughs> that goes. Um, yeah. so, I mean, it's Denzel, though. It's I think it's those... shot by Bruno Del Bonnell, too, so it's like... It's like, it's like oh, him and Deacons kind of take turns on the... being their usual guy, so... Yeah. 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 I Especially be, this decade. I might like, be the only person in the world who is more sold on Denzel than Joel Cohen. And I like Joel... And Joel Cohen may be more, like, he produces more consistent work, I guess, but, like, I'm such a Denzel guy that I'm just, like... Uh, if Denzel's in it, well, he's why not? I mean, Macbeth, like, maybe I'm turning into the meme, but why not both? I yeah. true. It's like, true. No, it's true. I love it's the Coen Brothers just, and Denzel. Yeah. But when I think of Macbeth, I'm like, oh, that Denzel movie. Man, I'm excited. Um, I'm curious to see him do. It. I mean, <laughs> he's yeah, done no, he's done Shakespeare on stage, but I've never. Oh, I mean, actually, I have seen him until he did them. Uh, Much Ado About Nothing, the Branagh movie. Much Ado um, About Nothing. Kenneth yeah. Branagh is like the arch nemesis of my group of friends. So um, that's very funny. <laughs> Yeah, I I am still that hey, like that twelve year old girl who's still really too. mad at his Artemis Fowl movie. Like I'm still over here stewing about that. Oh but, yeah. Um, oh, oh you didn't love Artemis Fowl now streaming on Disney Plus? The, the the movie that shook the nation in quarantine that that didn't really grab. I think you. it was I, the only person I, who actually oh watched it to be honest, and it was purely <laughs> Josh Gad watched it. Josh Gad watched it. Oh, yeah. You know, once you've seen Josh Gad unhook his own jaw and shit out a bunch of dirt he's eaten, you, you no longer fear death. You're ready for the vampires. <laughs> can, can I just, like, take a side... Can I take, like, a tangent on Josh Gad for a second? <laughs> sure, why not? You know what? <laughs> so, you, know, you guys know what story I love um, that I heard recently? He was he was tapped to play Roger Ebert in a movie. <laughs> Do y'all know No, this? I did that, not know oh, this. He was going to play Ebert. So... It was originally going to be Philip Seymour Hoffman before he passed away. And, oh, Jesus, what a downgrade. Um, no, I'm sorry. The gasp we just I know, let I know, out I know. simultaneously I, No, but that, that lends into the story. So Josh Gad went to this bar or like a restaurant that Ebert always used to write at. And he goes and he's like, you know, taking in the scenery, like trying to like learn the mannerisms or whatever. And the bartender has been there for decades. He's like... He like takes it like this. Um, he takes a drag of a cigarette. and He's like, "I wish it was Hoffman." And then like you know, Gad that's walks out so of the bar. Funny. It's so it's so funny. Ooh, I, did he I, must I have that's told such that a story. vivid story. Gad must have told yeah, that. Story. I think so. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. unless the bartender did. So. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I wish right. it was Hoffman. That's <laughs> oh, so funny. Is that is that movie gonna actually happen? There's no. Way. I I don't. I think it. I think it was. That sounds um, like it's been shelved a development long hell, time or, ago. Yeah, I think it's shelved. Yeah, no one's gonna make but, that like at, like. Oh man, we lost all this money during the pandemic. What, what are the priorities of making <laughs> movies? Josh Gad, Roger Ebert movie. I guess let's 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 throw give us the Oscar now. Like lock in let's best play. actor. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, yeah. imagine. I, mean, I feel like that's inevitably going to happen. Is I will have to set through a Josh Gad Oscar season, oh, and it's going to be unbearable. Yeah. Like, like I'm already <laughs> dreading the Ben Platt like, season oh. for Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, ben Platt God, and his I old know. old face. Like, because I hate I that know. musical. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to have to... It's, it's going to be like oh, the Bohemian Rhapsody all over again. 
Oh, I, I didn't know. I, I try to. I try not to know what Dear Evan Hansen is, and then people remind me what it is, and I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, that fucking movie. God. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna be. That's gonna. Oh man. That's playing a test. The so. opening night of TIFF. Yeah, yeah, oh, just so you know. Sort of fucking. Uh, no, TIFF, 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 TIFF. I like TIFF, but sometimes, like, really TIFF, you gonna do this, this one. I can't decide if I'm glad or not that I won't be watching that film in a room full of other critics because I feel like that's a film where people would stand up and applaud and I would just want to claw my own face off because I don't like the musical I mean I I will no cards on the table I I think that musical is reprehensible um but I feel like it's one thing I feel like the way about Pesic and Paul's music in general is like you're writing music for stuff that's either just not very good or like really morally iffy because like The Great Showman is pure bullshit propaganda for a terrible human being Mm. Uh, and Dear Evan Hansen is yeah. just like you really thought that was deep, and it's actually just like. So Do you sick. feel that way about La La Land since they wrote the music for that too, or is La La, it, La Land like, is mostly harmless thing? except for like, you know, like uh, Ryan Gosling believing he's like the king of jazz, but like you know, sure, it's fine. I I, I honestly I have no beef with La La Land now that Moonlight has its Oscar. Like we can all rest easy. Uh, yeah but... right 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 that's <laughs> funny if la la land did get that oscar when that happened <laughs> yeah if la la land did mm. get that oscar everyone would fucking hate that movie oh it would be up like, there like that movie, it really would have i mean just in comparison to the two i think i mean i think la la land is actually pretty good but it's like but it, when you think it's like if it beat moonlight boy that's just that would ruin your legacy yeah. as a film ruin it i mean it is that thing as well of you know like love you know the industry loving films about itself that is you know and it's not really Mm. that interesting a film about hollywood in that aspect but it is very sunny um pretty mean chazelle like did anyone watch his netflix show see apparently he didn't really direct it apparently he was like a producer directed like one episode and was like i'm out like it wasn't even his baby (laughs) apparently and now it's now we're waiting on babylon in 2022 can't wait see that's a year i'm, I'm interested because in, you're already seeing a lot of stuff being held back that i think we were probably expecting this year that they're gonna hold out for next year because covid's gonna screw up mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff so like babylon uh disappointment boulevard whatever the shape that demented weirdo yeah, is going horrible to take. Yeah. speaking um, of joaquin yeah yeah <laughs> just all of the pictures of him wait, running around no, Montreal wait, is, that, that's the ari aster film yeah, that's the Ariaster. Yeah. Okay, I'm like, man, that's a bad title. Oh, that's the. It uh, might be um, his four-hour nightmare oh, comedy. Shoot, We're not actually entirely to. sure. Nothing about that film has really been revealed. Yeah, right. um, and then, like, Darren Aronofsky's well, doing the Whale, the which I'm scared for, year, but too. like, yeah, you know, the Whale. Oh yeah. God! Oh, the Whale! Oh no! I I, I don't trust Aronofsky with that story. Don't do it, Brandon. Yeah, I do want the Brandon Fraser renaissance, but it's like, you've got Scorsese now. You don't need to do the... Well, I think he's already filmed it, but, like, I'm very scared for that. He's already filmed it. The whale's done? Yeah. I think it was a really sharp production. Oh, that's... That's so disappointing to hear. I don't know. I I, I just don't want Brandon anywhere near that. I'm so sorry. I just, like, don't... I, I, I love you. Don't... Keep doing Doom Patrol and, like, do Scorsese or whatever. Like, don't fucking do... Work with Soderbergh again, you know. Yeah. Oh, he's so good in no sudden. He's so good in no sudden moves or move. I mean, I, I always think it's sudden moves because that's what I'm thinking. But it's always so, no sudden move. I don't know. But he's so good in that movie. So good. I fucking love Brendan Fraser. Uh, do we have any favorite songs from the soundtrack? 
songs. I like the EDM thing, whatever the dude's dancing to in the pimp. I, his little dance was kind of charming. I'm like, all right, you're you're a horrible person, but you're a charming little dance. And he's a, and his house is full of animal print furniture everywhere. Yeah. Like I think if and there's an animal skin mo- some kind, it's in that man's house. And I find it so funny that he has multiple places he does cocaine off. Like, it's the same table, but there's cocaine on the left side, and there's cocaine on the right side. And then he, like, you know, he does cocaine on the right side, and then he moves around a little bit, then he does cocaine on the left side. And it's all just there. It's so funny. It's like flipping over your pillow to find the cold side. Exactly. He doesn't even move it. It's just there. He's just ready. He knows, like, you know what? I did some right side cocaine, now I need stations on cocaine. Yeah. It's so good. I am absolutely going to be checking out more of Federale after this because i didn't recognize most of the artists feature here but both times i've seen this movie i am just like so mesmerized by by the music choices because they're it's you know i i think Amapur is obviously familiar with with the selections but she seems like I, a I huge feel like they, pop some, something about them come comes off as niche yeah she seems like one of like we have a friend named Logan Kenny, and he like he knows all of music and he knows all of movies, and she seems like that person, like just like mm. I know this band from this era and this like in this country, and like I know all these like she seems like a total pop culture nerd. Yeah, total I think pop she did used nerd, to play in a sure. band. She certainly has the vibe of a girl who was in a. She's a DJ. That makes yeah. total she was sense. She was a DJ. Wow. Yeah. I I, I honestly I need With to get those, a hold of how cool track. how cool is this person yeah. by the way? How She's cool is she? She's actually pretty. <laughs> Like I, the moment I saw her IMDb photo, I'm like, man, you're like the coolest human ever. All right, cool. Like, like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I am buying the soundtrack off of eBay um, like right now because I need to. Yeah. Oh, there's an actual soundtrack of it. Oh yeah. There's a yeah, soundtrack. Um, of... Oh cool. Who put? Um, I think Death Waltz Records put it out, and um, I forget Elijah Woods production company i just i just have the name shout out to elijah wood just being the but coolest person but also another cool i was just person. gonna and i was just gonna say that but there's this behind the scenes video of them just like talking about the movie and you know towards the end of, there's two parts to it and towards the end of part two she's like i want to make movies to make to make friends and and i think that's just a really cool um lens to to view the creation of art where it's it's like you get to make them with friends and make friends during them yeah um because it's about more than that it's about more than what you're capable of bringing to it it technically yeah i think one of the the greatest elements that you can glean from having worked on something is the relationships that you make with the people that you make it with yeah which transcends yeah. The movie. It goes into the film and then it also transcends the film too. Yeah. The more I think about it and I've been watching the whole thing, it's like, I think maybe I make films to make friends. Oh, that's beautiful. I think you just do to see who your friends are. That's beautiful. You know? Like, really? This is like what I'm talking about. This is what I was, I was like, this is gonna happen. And you start getting that like glowy, kind of like almost like shroomy feeling. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I'm glad that she. I'm, I'm glad that she talks up the collaborative nature of film because, frankly, mm-hmm. it's really easy to fall into that trap that is just one. It's kind of under discussed. It, it's one bearded too, white you know? dude in a baseball mm-hmm. cap yelling at everyone else, and that's you know, it's never been how <laughs> film is made. So I'm glad that yeah. 
Do they do this a lot? You know, yeah. like do they have like a you know like like a camera yeah, linked yeah, to their yeah. eye? Or, like every yeah, director gets nominated for um, best director, and they have their picture, and they've all gotten the hat, and they're all sort of like doing this for no reason, just like yeah. I've got a pose for this image. Do they have? Do they do this? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Let's see how it looks in the frame. <laughs> Unless you're Terrence Malick, and there's one picture of you they've used for like forty five years. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We That's never a see But you know, all, like I remember when. Uh, yeah. And speaking of like fest, like you know, festival reception. Like I remember, um, *Stars Born* when there were some pictures of Bradley Cooper coming out, and it's like you saw him doing like the you know like the poses from film that you'll see a filmmaker in pictures, and so it's like yeah, he's got it. You know, he's got it down. Like <laughs> it's the first time, and he's, he's already like filmmaker. learning from he Clint and David O. Russell. You know, he's yeah. an artist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. Yeah, Clint Eastwood's um, taught you well. <laughs> honestly, like when he um, makes that Leonard Bernstein about. movie starring himself, like I think if you thought he was thirsty yeah, with yeah. stars, and born, and the and the other Leonard Bernstein movie coming out with Jake Gyllenhaal, which apparently <laughs> isn't so... happening anymore because um, uh, Cooper got oh. the rights to the music and the estate because like he doesn't screw around. <laughs> so I, I love the, how like nakedly ambitious Bradley Cooper is. I'm kind of surprised it doesn't get talked about more with his work, like. Yeah. I want this to be his reds. I want it to be like three hours. I want it to get like several nominations. I want you know, best director. Yeah, I mean he's got like he's doing Nightmare Alley and Soggy Bottom this year. Like you know, Nightmare Alley. Yes, fucking cool. Have you read the book? Soggy Bottom. I may cry. I'm not. I've read synopsis of it and just those plot and those like set photos. I'm just like the book is wonderful. Like I'm fascinated to see Del Toro do something this sleazy. Because the book is just like it is very much like I need to take a He's shower good. doing it. So, I hear some takes from y'all in, in, in the internet. I hear some takes that Del Toro isn't good. He's good, all right. He's good. Del Toro Jim has Waters also good. made excellent vampire movies. Filmmaker. So, yeah, Chronos yeah. is also Blade in two my rock. top. Stop. <laughs> yeah, Blade Two Rock. Stop with this nonsense. He's good. He's a good filmmaker. I'm tired of this. Tired of this. Oh, Pan's Labyrinth isn't that good. Nah, it's a good movie and you suck. That's what I say. Don't listen to these people. It's that same nonsense you, kinda, you heard you remind... around when The Shape of Water became the front runner for Best Picture. And it's like, oh, but it's a very safe movie. It's like, it's about mm. a fish man that fucks. And yeah, that's what so stupid. Safe... That's such a stupid idea. How dare it's you? Like, right, How dare you right. beseech the sexy fish man like this? I like that Clay's bringing the same energy, energy to Del Toro that you're bringing now to M. Night Shyamalan, where you're like, listen, listen. Same, yeah, M. Night, M. Night fucking rocks. What are y'all doing? I love M. Night Shyamalan. Like, what what exactly is, Village is one of the best films of the 2000s, yeah. okay? Like, it's so good. Yes, I, re- yes. I saw I think me and Milgan and Beery Arlunds are like shouting that from the rooftops. Chris Evangelista does another one, too. Yes. The Village is so... We can all like... Stand up and applaud for the village yeah. right now. Let's the village is my second up. favorite of his, just because I love Unbreakable mm. so much. I love Unbreakable. It's like one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. Um, the Shyamalan discourse starts every time um, he's gotten our film out, but I, I really did appreciate the village's good actually narrative that we all reminded people of when yeah. it came. Out. Yeah, like several people were watching. Roger Deakins shot that movie, guys. Good. Right. Yeah. yeah very also, best so. score. Um, is also good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. He should make a vampire movie. I'd watch that. Oh, fuck. If he did it in this vein of the village, with that sort of like the isolated kind of period piece of like paranoia and, you know, um, like fear of the unknown and this sort of like scary big future that we all want to cloister ourselves away from. That feels like such a natural fit for a vampire story. 
Has William Hurt played a vampire? I want to see old William Hurt just be like, ah. Give me your blood. No, I don't think so. Just like, did James Stone Howard score the he village? Did, yes. Yes. Do you remember? Yes. It's my mm-hmm. probably my favorite score of all time. Actually, it's just this beautiful romantic score that then eases into the unnerving. Um, Shyamalan's contributions movie, with, with he, Howard are like so underrated. Like as a, a you yeah. know filmmaker. If y'all were to you know, say, you know, like, he did Unbreakable, right? Yeah. He did Howard his first did five or six movies, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Just what a great. If y'all were to say that the village is his best twist, I would I wouldn't argue. Or you know, like sure. twist. I knew the twist kind of watching it. I knew the twist, and oh, I'm really? still and okay. that actually made the the viewing more like impressive. And I'm like, how did he fucking do this? Like he like <laughs> knew, knowing the twist, I'm like, this is so good because I keep like. Ah, maybe I I know like the twist I know it but I maybe I don't you know when I'm watching it I'm like maybe I was wrong maybe I don't know it maybe I'm like fooling myself maybe I had like a fever dream and that I actually don't know the twist of this movie and then it, it happens you're like this is fucking great great movie I mean his work is still scary to um, me I mean the scene in Signs where he's watching in the cupboard the the clip of the alien on it is yeah. still scary to me I always forget the exact timing of it and it always throws me off well he's just like a master sound design. I, I don't think people talk about this enough. The, like the whole, re- like he makes a vill- like, he makes the woods a regular, just the regular woods scary as fuck. Because I knew the twist and I know it's like oh this was a regular woods and it makes it scary as fuck just through sound design, music, and, and cinematography. He makes just like leaves or like a like a tree like the scariest thing imaginable. He's a he's a fucking master. Honestly, I mean, maybe not like a horror. I would love to see him just One make like a romance finest. movie because I think The Village is a beautiful mm-hmm. romance film. It just happens to be in this very, like, sort of very beautiful. It's so romantic, like beautiful yellow speculative cloak. Uh, but I think it completely works. It's just a very humane romantic drama. Like just add vampires. You know, I, I'm yeah. I'm cool with this. Let's go with this. <laughs> just adding to my list now. Filmmakers yeah, that need to make a vampire it. movie. <laughs> All of them. Carpenter should try again. I haven't seen his vampire movie, them. but he should try again. Just come on, do it again. Stop with you. Stop smoking weed, playing video games. Get out of your den, and make a movie. I'll help you. I don't. I. I feel. I feel like we're all a little uneasy that we're just left with the ward and just that's yeah. it. I don't know. Maybe the ward's good. I. I haven't seen a bad. I haven't seen any of his quote unquote bad movies. But I've liked everything I've seen from him. Like I'm. I. I I've seen most of his films, but. I need to let you, like watch the, some of his latter stuff. Is Mountains of Madness considered oh, one of so. the bad movies? Because I think that's had a real reappraisal. It better movie. fucking not. I'll I'll punch someone if it's bad. If it, I feel as though like anything so from the eighties is pretty well guarded. No, is that yeah? Like, like after eighties is like once we get into the nineties. That's some like prime but, like, Scream King Sam Neill as well. Like one of like the great underrated men of horror. <laughs> And we need to talk about something within the Mouth of Madness. What the fuck is the accent that Sam Neill is doing? <laughs> I've watched that movie and I can't figure it out. It is, is all it of the accents. Is it? It's bizarre. I mean, I love that movie. I think that movie is a fucking masterpiece. But it's like also like, what is he doing? <laughs> like, what is Sam Neill doing? I need to figure it out. Is it a Chicago accent? Is it a New York accent? Is it New Zealand? It all just goes everywhere. It's bizarre. Ugh, mm. man. This was fun. Uh, let's who's get... the uh, who's that oh. filmmaker behind um, Possession? I feel like that that um, um, Andre. I can never pronounce his name, but I know you're talking about. It. I, um, I don't know if he's done yeah. a vampire movie, but that would make too much. Yeah, sense. I feel like he, like yeah. yeah. Did Cronen- yeah, the, Did any of the Cronenbergs yeah. make too a, easy? <laughs> did any of the Cronenbergs make a vampire movie? Um, <laughs> any of them? <laughs> Nothing comes. We got three of them. Has. 
I think his book yeah. has vampiric tendencies, but it tends to be more parasitic than, than kind of the creature yeah, right. itself. Um, maybe that's too obvious for him. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, he's also very interested in the human anatomy. Like, Existence is all about, like, hearts and, you know, organs and, like, lungs and livers and all that shit. Um, well, and, like, I don't know, maybe Brandon should just do it. Or David, I don't care. One of them. Or maybe his daughter, who's, like, shoots movies or whatever, or does photography. Anybody. All of them could collaborate. Like, like they could act like the Coppola's. And just... Cronenberg's uh, Cubed. Cro- three Cronenberg's <laughs> making a vampire movie. She did make a music video uh, for this Canadian band, and her dad is in it, and he's just palling around with Eugene Levy. And it's like, there's Canada's dads. How cute is that? <laughs> Bro. How did they get... Man, do, wait, do Cronen- does Cronenberg and Levy just hang out? That'd be dope. I choose to believe like, they do. I choose chill. to believe that you can just walk into like any bar in Toronto and see them. And the fact that I haven't done that on my trips to TIFF saddens me. Man, what are those Canadians doing up there? I talk about, I, I sometimes <laughs> think about that. Like, you know, are just hanging out, doing things, whatever. Um, what was I going to say? My only critique of uh, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is I feel like it does kind of lose steam for me after they meet at the rail yard or whatever. I I, I still love I still like it. I'm still like absolutely infatuated with watching it just because it's so well made and that like you know it's the lighting and the um, cinematography and just the way the, its use of shadows and music and all that. It's also super engaging. But I, there's just so much momentum built. The moment that they like you know that of of um, the girl and um, Anash, um, or wait, it's an it's Anash, right? Am I getting that name right? Or is it... Arash. Arash, thank Arash. you. Arash. Um, when like the girl and Arash like meeting together, and like I, I, I don't know. I was so taken with the like taken with their kind of relationship and their dynamic that it's like when they split apart again, I'm kind of like less interested. Mm. I think the kind of vagueness of their relationship is one of the yeah. things that I like because like if you think about it, when they ride off into the moonlight together, like there is no reason that she, that he should have invited her on this journey other than the fact that he's clearly no. infatuated. But you know. Aside from the fact that she killed his dad, like they don't have anything in common. He knows nothing about her deliberately. So. They don't. There's no like transaction between. They're both music nerds. Purpose. That's the closest thing. They're both like love music. That's and they're like, hello, hello. Yeah. Oh, hello, hello. Sad song. <laughs> hello. That's yeah, sad song. I, I feel like um, there, if this film had more money, the trailer of nothing else would have like a slow, sad version of hello like all the trailers now have sad versions of songs i got five on it sad you know or like scary no that was just really haunting harpsichord Um, in the background very slow like Mm. mitski style feminine voice (laughs) yeah like (laughs) what if it was in the 90s and it was like a girl walks home alone at night? i thought about i I was doing the romantic trailer voice in my head like a romantic comedy He's a, the son of a junkie. He's a vampire. <laughs> right. What they share is music and the power of love. In this move, in coming into <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. leaves in the news pops up, yeah, which would exactly. make sense because yeah. she is on a skateboard. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> she kills people. Um, he sells drugs. Let's see what happens. You know. <laughs> I suppose, like thinking about it as a romantic comedy kind of reminds you of warm bodies when that came out the year prior. oh yeah that's right um like the zombie one yeah i guess like that, another that's film like where nicholas thing. holt puts on uh, an insane amount of makeup 
<laughs> I remember when that I book came that, out like... because um, I used to be a young adult book blogger. That was like how I got my start writing on the internet. And like that book was hyped up to the nines. Like they really did try to sell that book hard as Twilight with Vampires. Any good? It's fine. It's not Twilight with Vampires. I think it is aiming for something a little more sly and kind of cynical. But I think that book was kind of sunk by the fact that like every book at that time they were trying to compare it to a book they had absolutely yeah. nothing in common with. Mm-hmm. The film, I, I don't really I think care much about that's the film. What I vaguely remember another, about like, the movie. Once again, zombies. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> Sorry, Romero. Romero zombies made a great care, vampire movie that no one talks about. Oh, Martin. Martin is great. Like, Martin is one of the rare vampire films that actually tackles the idea of vampirism being a metaphor for rape. Like, very few films do Mm. it. Uh, The remake of Fright Night did it as well. But, like, Martin is so unnerving. Yeah, I think he did that in between zombie movies. Yeah. Yeah, and then no one saw it. It was like, well, back to the dead. (laughs) Yeah. I want to ask you one more question, Kaylee. And then we'll get to our favorite scene. If you had to recommend someone, like, a vampire movie, like, someone that people just don't appreciate this vampire movie nearly enough, like, you know, it, it when anyone talking about, like, the discourse of vampire movies, like, oh, this is my favorite, this is my favorite, and no one mentions this and it drives you insane, but you need people to see it, what, what would that be? In terms of an underseen one that I watch all the time that I, I, I think we should include more into that conversation, Park Chan Wook's first. I've mentioned before, but okay. I mean, one of the reasons yeah. I love him, uh, Park Chan-wook's I work so much, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his, is he has such a like almost yeah. acrobatic handling of tone. Like, if you see an old boy, old boy is horrifying and so cynical, but can also horrifying. be very funny and very tender and all these things. First isn't quite as extreme as that. It does have some very visceral moments, but like that is a film that goes between being like a really weird sadomasochistic romantic drama. To being a black comedy, to being this really melancholy, under you know, like exploration of faith, to being a traditional vampire film, um, and I think that the way that he does that is so unlike anything that Hollywood has ever done. Like even after a whole generation of American filmmakers trying to rip off Old Boy, no one ever managed it. And I think that with First, you know, you really saw him putting his own stamp on a genre as well, another genre that's almost primarily white, and to see it from the view of like Korean Christian point of view is really interesting because mm-hmm. faith plays such a part in that film the lead character is played by song kang ho from parasite so i kind of want more people just to watch it mm-hmm. so they can see something other than parasite for song kang ho um yeah. that one is available i believe on movie in the uk so it might be worth checking out in america if it's on movie mm-hmm. but it's actually pretty easy to get hold of especially in terms of his work uh so that would be one i would i would give a shout out to chronos cool. as Excellent. well like if you love del toro go check out his first film it's so yeah. unique it's such a yeah. fascinating fable that it's fascinating. I'm always fascinated by filmmakers who are like themselves out of the gate. And I think yeah. Del Toro hadn't, I mean, it's not quite as much with Del Toro. He really does mature as he gets along, but like you really see at the heart, like this is the guy he was always going to be. And I, I love that. With mm-hmm. that yeah. It's, it's so beautiful. There's no crazy developments later in their filmography. They're not like, Oh, who's this guy? Like it's like, they usually like, they don't mess around they go, they know they're, strengths almost at the get-go this guy really likes monsters couldn't have seen or that coming in... yeah right <laughs> or you know it's like in the case with dildor he's even said with his own career and many other careers he's commented on that you make one movie like your entire catalog just says one thing just like in different variations yeah. i think give a um, shout out to another one as well Kaylee, did you um, love did you sorry 
Did you adore uh, Little Drummer Girl as much as I did? I didn't think it got um, as much credit as it deserved, but I, I'm a sucker series. for, like, super oh, languid storytelling, and I think yeah. a lot of people got impatient with that. Yeah. He's doing The Sympathizer next mm-hmm. with Robert Downey Jr. You know, yeah, with Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Jr. is doing yeah. good stuff again. A24. Oh my god, I actually yeah. care. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I mean, I would. Wait, wait, so you weren't loco mad for Doolittle? Is that yeah, right. Doolittle right was pretty great. I, um, I don't know. Hang on now. I'm just baffled. I, there was that one. There was this one headline that when that when that news broke, where it's like first project out of Avengers. I'm like, wait, did you just forget about this certain movie? Some publicist paid them off for that headline. COVID. I'm convinced. Um, I got to give a shout out to another vampire movie. Um, like there are so many adaptations of Dracula, and I think it's really fascinating how that story kind of. It's so malleable to tell whatever you want to tell. There's a Dracula adaptation from 1978 starring Frank Langella, which is based on more on the stage play than the movie. So a lot of it's condensed. Yeah. Uh, they switch around the roles of Lucy and Mina seemingly for no reason. But as far as I am aware, I believe it's the first Dracula adaptation that fully plays up the idea of him being a romantic anti-hero. Um, Van Helsing is Sir Laurence Olivier. It features a sex scene shot by the guy who did the opening credits for Bond movies. If that gives you an idea of this very strange film. Interesting. Uh, the whole style is very Edward Gorey. He didn't actually do it, but if um move my laptop, I actually have the poster for all Donald all. Pleasance? So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Donald Pleasance, isn't That's it? Dope. It's made by John Badham, who made Saturday Night Fever. I think it's the first film he did after Saturday Night Fever, actually. Um, I love me some Pleasance. Love me some Pleasance. It's great. Frank Langella is, like, surprisingly awesome in that film. The cape action alone, he played that role on Broadway for, like, two or three years. Um, and then no one went to see that film. But it's really beautiful as, like, an actual romantic drama. It, re- it really lays the path for what Coppola does with his story, I think. Um, but seriously, the sex scene includes lasers that they borrowed from the world tour of The Who. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's pretty sick. I mean, don't, don't watch cool. it for more than the sex scene, but like the fact when you when that scene turns out, you're just all like, oh, I, I I must have accidentally put on another movie on this DVD because yeah. it is so, so it's like bonkers. That and Donald Pleasance sell yeah. me. Donald Pleasance and Laser Show sex scene. Those are the two <laughs> things that I, I needed, and now I'm sold. If I've introduced you to nothing um, else, Laser Show sex scene shall be my epitaph. Hey, we all that I said that. Some of a friend said um, they've been listening to the podcast lately. I'm like, man, I actually kind of want to watch Dread now. And I'm like, Haha, did it, <laughs> Dread, 2012. Let's fucking go. That's what I got. Like, that's like what I've been put on this earth to do. Is like 2012 Carl Urban's Dread. That's all I need you to watch. That's all I got. And and you can't see it right now, but you're actually wearing the costume from wearing, the movie yeah. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wearing the that X, Urban wears. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. I got yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you. Yeah. And another person who would make a great vampire movie, Alex Garland. Oh, yeah. Mm. I thought you were going to say Carl Urban, and I agree with both those things. I yes. see Carl, Carl Urban would be a great vampire. <laughs> he should be. He's a but he should still man. wear the uh, helmet. Yeah, no, Garland, for sure. <laughs> you know, he's yes. just got the jawline of a vampire. You know, I think... <laughs> yeah, he does. He's I think this pick might be a little too easy, since we already saw a sort of, like, an, this person playing uh, another creature, uh, super human mm-hmm. entity just recently but Yahya Abdul-Mateen yes I think that'd be kind of fascinating oh, just to see yeah man I've, that would be I one cannot one wait for the, the Candyman sequel because oh, so I'm a sucker good. for Clive Barker so just one more week film, so. yeah. do you know people who've seen it yeah. I don't know I'm, I'm trying it. to get I'm trying to 
Damn it. I'm trying to figure out if, what people think of it. I'm, like, super eager to, like, know what, like, the reactions are. Because I'm, like, super cute. I just want to see that movie. Um, yeah. Well, other person who I think uh, would have been great in a vampire movie, and I'm, I'm sad it kind of didn't happen in his prime, but, like, James Spader. Oh, yeah. He made a werewolf movie. Oh, he made yeah. a very strange werewolf movie with Mike Nichols, but I don't think he ever did a vampire movie. Wolf. Right. Wolf is yeah. very strange. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see I mean, like, you know, now. Wolf and uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein were kind of made after the success of Dracula um, and, and sort of giving young and old movie stars the, the prestige to be in like an Oscar-y sort of take, on, a very serious take on uh, like yeah. classic. I have monsters. so many mixed feelings about Branagh's Frankenstein. One, because he's our arch nemesis, but like that, that, book, that film is sort of simultaneously right. like... Yeah, and Fra- it's Frankenstein. Yeah, it's yeah. sort of like a masterpiece, but also horrendous at the same time. Like it is a weird mishmash of being brilliant and terrible. Like it's such a vanity project. So much of it is just kind of Branagh running around with his shirt off. But then, and, and all of the casting choices are ridiculous. Why is Robert De Niro the monster? Why is John Cleese in this movie? I don't know. But then mm. there's other bits where it's like, this is really interesting. So. Boy, who does Cleese mm. play? Yeah. He is uh, Frankenstein's lecturer when he's at university. His, yeah. like, professor no, friend. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, I buy that. I buy that. <laughs> uh, I just, yeah, I was just curious, like, is, is he, like, uh, fucking, um, Igor or whatever, and I'm like, oh, that, that's a weird, that's a weird casting. <laughs> no Igor Tom in this movie because it's more based. It's, it's obviously in the book, and there's no Igor in the book. Tom Hulse is in it as his best friend. Oh, is randomly. there not? So, okay. yeah. Right. It's probably we probably should move on from Igor as a culture. Maybe no more Igor. You know, just like it's probably. Remember when good. like Max Landis's you know? Frankenstein included Daniel Radcliffe as Igor? Yes. <laughs> Sorry to bring and up James like McAvoy. the, the Frankenstein. We're talking, yes. But. <laughs> God, I know Victor Frank- Victor Frankenstein uh, coming up next week. Actually, no, no. <laughs> the uh, Aaron Eckhart but, movie. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I oh, Frankenstein. Am I mixing up the titles? Oh, that's I Frankenstein. Okay. Oh, that's right. Oh man, man yes. Eckhart. The I think Land there's a reason you don't see as many Frankenstein adaptations as Dracula ones. I don't think people know right, entirely yeah, what yeah. to do with that book as much. There yeah. is a wonderfully bonkers Ken Russell film called Gothic, which is about the weekend that Lord Byron, Percy by Shelley, Mary Shelley, and John Polidori spent together getting high in Switzerland and writing ghost stories. And that's kind of like a weird blend of like Frankenstein and vampires and orgy sex and drugs. <laughs> that is, it's well, okay, Ken Russell. Now, like that... <laughs> All okay. the food groups, baby. Vampires, <laughs> werewolves, ghosts, sex. It's all, all you need. Do we have any final thoughts on A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night? Um, should, well, shouldn't we, we? We've been lacking on favorite scenes. Should we go, Should we just do a favorite scene? Just do like, we not have any final thoughts? Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, I've, I've said what I needed to say. I just, I just felt like if we have... I, mean, I think for me, like, if you just... Like, I think of nothing else if you like vampire movies. This really is one you need to tick off the list. Yeah. Um, and in terms yeah, of just, like... Essential. Especially for the decade. And like, just in terms yeah. of a debut as well. Like, to see a filmmaker hit the ground running, yes, yeah. firing on all cylinders at once and make something that is just this sublime. I, I, I'm constantly in awe of it when I rewatch it. You talk it. about Kronos, and this is the same way for me. Like, it's so confident, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, if nothing um, else, go on one... YouTube yeah, and Kay- watch the scene where... White, uh, we're deaf by white lies, please. Um, yeah. And it's done in yeah. one single shot as the song plays, and like the world drowns out while this very like literal song about death plays, 
that you think it should seem too obvious and it isn't because I think it's just so well utilized. And they kind of power and tension. I was so captured. I was so captured with the two of them that I didn't even listen to the lyrics. So I was just like, I was like, their chem- their chemistry is really well done, actually. Like, I mean, even though it's like they yeah. don't have, they're not making like swooning motions to one another, and they're not like having like back and forth dialogue. They're just they're just like kind of strangely attracted to each other in this like physical way, not necessarily sexual, but just like this like primordial like we must be together way. I mean, with I that mean the most intimate thing he does thing. for her is pierce her ears. Like, yeah. it is a yeah. really fascinating bond. And, like, kind of awkwardly, where it's still, like, it's still, like, the the lonely boy trying to impress the, the cute girl in school. And that, that's it. Sorry. And for all of you, you know, all of you young lovers out there, don't do that on a first date. Don't, don't, don't get a nail <laughs> Especially out. if your hands are don't greasy with burgers that <laughs> right. she didn't eat. Like, hold still yeah. and just, like. The moment yeah. he pulled out the lighter, I'm like, don't do this. What are you doing? <laughs> What yeah. was what um, what was it Caleb? was it never rarely sometimes always where she just pierces her ear randomly was that yeah, the, yeah. I, well, yeah I saw in, that and in I'm like the like, bathroom or something and I'm like what are you yeah. doing no don't do this this is very that's a, that's a very this teenage girl rite of passage which like I, it's cool in that film for me I'm fine with that but like the fact that the guy is just randomly like oh you don't want the burger here's some earrings let me shove this needle into your ear like no, no uh, in his, in his fairness in 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 fairness to him she keeps saying do it he's like are you sure he's like do it and he she's a very uh, uh she's very convincing to do things for it's like you know it, do it it's, or it's rip not your hard ar- to see why he does do it up. for her she is such an yeah, enjoying yeah, figure yeah. Sheila Vand I want to see her in everything yeah she's, um Kaylee would you like to go first with your favorite scene oh that is my favorite scene the, the white lies death number just oh yeah one that's your scene, oh. like the, the, the way that the, the disco ball changes the entire lighting of it the dynamic between the two of them like frankly if it if that was the whole short film like if that was five minutes it turned up on like vice's youtube channel or something <laughs> i would still be enthralled by it yeah that'd be pretty good mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um i think I, I i just i just want to take the credits uh the opening titles are so well done it feels it feels like so inviting and um like new and old at it establishes time. everything really well yeah establishes everything you yeah. get it like that i mean that's a whole all those exteriors like you just get a sense of like oh, okay this is what bad city is like you don't there's no like what yeah. is bad like you know you get a sense you just of you just get it yeah. in the way um you you get you know for the for the hundredth time you just understand the world of Eraserhead or stranger than paradise you know if yeah um or yeah. sin city no i'm joking um <laughs> <laughs> but like but no like i i think it for a place that like there's what like four different locations throughout this entire movie maybe five mm-hmm. and like it like they keep reusing the same locations over and over again it's like it, it, it it's just by pure like craft wise she makes it feel like a whole fucking city even though you barely see anyone in it it's all it all feels very lived in um yeah i i, I want to choose I think maybe either the scene of the pimp doing drugs, dancing, and then getting killed. I just think that's a very, like, well-drawn-out scene. Has, like, very, actual like, tension, but also is just unpredictable like, and feels like you don't know when that moment's happened. Because you know she's going to kill him. You just don't know, like, when and how and, like, like what at what point. Um, either that or when she stalks um, a tea. 
Um, I, I, so I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the podcast, I rewatched the first Halloween like uh, recently, and um, the first Halloween obviously was revolutionary in the idea. I mean, Black Christmas also did this, but when it comes to like pure stalking, the idea of the killer stalking the victim and its use of location and its POV shots, obviously, um, that you know, there, there's a lot of craft in that to create this tension of like pure voyeurism and stalking. Um, I think it, it, it's not the same, but I love. I, I think there's no escape in that perversion. It's like the. Yeah, it's like, but anytime like the camera anytime, shifts, like, the camera like a per- character turns like, around and she's like right, right there, it's always like inviting always, or, or like, not inviting. Uh, it's always surprising because it's like you try to in your head, you're like, well, your was head, that closer or, or farther than last time? And you're always like, like you're all. She is this real like mysterious, you know, figure, and she moves so fast, and you're always wondering. This is the time she's going to get in front of her, or this is the time that she's closer. And there's this, like, wide shot on the side of a building, and she's just, like, following so smoothly um, in the sense, like, mimicking in the entirety of, like, the footsteps. Like, the reason why people don't really hear her is because it seems like she steps with her left foot when the other character does, and, like, is just basically silent and follows them so precisely and methodically. Um, it's, I, I don't know, I, I found that really engaging, just the way she crafts those, like, scenes of her stalking her prey. Um, and so, like, and then you find out that, there's also this great subversion, because what I was worried, so when Atiyah keys, um, Arash's car, she obviously thinks it's the pimps, and, she, you know, and that's why she does it. Um, but, and you, then you but, see, um, you the girl, see, uh, in, like, behind her, in like, the distance, her, just, like, following and watching. I was worried, like, oh, this is gonna be, like, this, like, stereotypical, oh, since the vamp, like, the vampire now loves this person, they're gonna protect them at all costs and kill whoever needs to be killed because they made some offense toward, like, they're trying to, like, you know, oh, you, you know, scratched my boyfriend's car and need to eat me now. Some shit like that. But it's such a great subversion. like, no, actually, I brought you the money that he fucking stole from you. Like, here you go. Like, it's... She is yeah. so, like, connected so, like, and, like, loyal to, to this person that she barely even knows that she just follows. Um, and because of the sense of, like, tragedy that uh, a T kind of It absolutely feels like a purposeful trick that Amapur plays on us. Yeah, and I, and I, just, I just enjoy all of it. I think it's just really well crafted, really well staged. The blocking's pretty great. Um, I, just the use of, like, focus yeah. transitions in the sense of, like, you know, what's in focus, what's out of focus, like, you know, with um, a T being in focus it, like in one second and like if the camera as she's closer and then it switches and it switches focus to um it's just a lot of filmmaking techniques and uh crafting confidence that you just don't think would be with a fifty thousand fifty thousand dollar budget or whatever it was like it feels so it feels all so well crafted and um, uh, intentional that you're just like oh it's like this per this costs like two million dollars and this person's like has a long long career of directing no it's like no, it's directorial like, debut for feature and fifty five thousand. So yeah, there so, you go. There you go. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> uh, Kaylee Donaldson, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Episode. This was this was lovely. Oh, to have thanks you. for letting Absolutely me ramble and just sleep a bit. Thanks for letting me ramble and just sleep a bit. It's all I ask. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah, we're just excited to give it to you. Um, where can everybody find your work on the? Uh, 
on the internet and if you have anything to promote this could be the time to yeah, do so um you can find me on twitter at kaylian c-e-i-l-i-g-h-a-n-n the bulk of my work is on pajiba.com but you can find me on ign screen rant rogerabert.com up rocks slash film um a couple other places i actually have a vampire themed podcast called fangphology where me and my co-host Catherine slavova we dig more into esoteric vampire pop culture so my um so my, my, my co she just did an episode on my, the video game Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. I just did an episode on the Dark Universe, one of my great pop culture follies. And if you really like weird celebrity gossip history, I have a newsletter called The Gossip Reading Club where I dig into like old celebrity interviews and profiles and trade reporting and kind of offer a cultural perspective on it. Oh, that's fun. Like if you ever do an episode on the vampires of Supernatural, the CW show, I'm your guy. That's all. <laughs> I that's all. Keep that in ex- mind. Those are the only vampires <laughs> I'm an expert in. Those are the only vampires I'm an expert in. Is the vampires on the CW show? They, you have so with these vampires, you actually have to kill them. You have to cut off their heads. It's not like stakes or sunlight. You have to like slight, you know, to completely decapitate them. That's the cool thing. I will keep that in mind. I will keep that in mind. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Jack, where can everyone find you? Yeah, excellent. I can be found on Twitter, Jack A. Draper. Um, I'm on Letterboxd, the same name. Um, I have a bit of writing on film as well on my personal medium and places like The Simple Cinephile. This movie can be found on Shudder and Canopy, which are... Um, which Yeah, yeah I, I like how widely accessible this movie is, too. It's not, I watched um, it on Canopy. Canopy is the fucking best. Yeah. <laughs> love it. I love them. Um, if you're in the UK, it's on movie next. and the BFI player, I think. But honestly, if you go into Amazon Prime, there's like three different places you can watch it. I feel like maybe like I should start um, seeking out what cert- what movies we cover have are on different services, just in case, like for international listeners. But um, yeah, uh, it's funny that we mentioned Del Toro. So watch this episode because next week is Pacific Rim. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah. So, His, um, it's kaiju, another not vampires, but um, monsters. It's about damn time someone cancels yeah, some it. Some sort of waiting too long for this. We're going to restore humanity, and uh, Jordan Cyril will be oh, here I with us her. to do so. Oh, I love the best in yeah, business. Um, yeah. Everyone can follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter and on Letterboxd. Follow me at Mr. Clay Williams on Instagram. You can follow the podcast Twitter account at ETC Pod. You can follow the podcast Instagram account at Exiting. Uh, or oh shit! I just for the first time in my life I forgot the it's Exiting 2010s, right? Oh my god, this is embarrassing. Um, yes, it is Exiting 2010s. I don't know why. I've never heard of that. Never mind. Um, yes, you can follow those, uh, yes, follow the podcast at those two uh, places. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, whatever podcast platform you listen to us on too. We greatly appreciate it. Even if you don't listen to that service, just like, yeah, go and yeah, yeah. If you're on Spotify, just follow, just hit that follow button and just forget. Or like make another account. Yeah, do that. Do whatever. Just say you did. You can leave us a review on any of those places as well. Greatly appreciate it. Five stars. All the, all those kind of things. Um, you could send us a comment or send us a voicemail at Anchor. Um, you can send us an email at edgingthroughthe2010s at gmail.com. Yeah. Am I forgetting something? No, I think that's all of it. Um, yeah. Be good to yourself. Stay safe. Get vaccinated. Keep wearing those masks. You know, do what you got to do. Be, you know, be kind to yourself. We're all going through it right now. We could use a little break. 
Um, and as always, trans rights are human rights. Stop Asian hate. Free Palestine. Black Lives Matter. Catch y'all next time on Exiting Tuesday 2010.